Blog Talk Radio. There is nothing more intoxicating than the meld of emotions and sensations that is Friday night. Friday night is the sound of that crowd, the pride of that community, the way that that grass smells. I've never felt in my adult life the way that I felt on Friday night. That's what those kids are playing for. They're playing for that emotion. They're playing for that brotherhood and all of that sensory input that comes from Friday night. That's why they're playing high school football in this country. It is this common thread that weaves through the American fabric. Whether you live in Compton, California, or you live in Appalachia, if you played the game at the high school level, you have this common bond of representing that community. Anyone who disparages where the game is based on myriad reasons, I'm not buying it. I'm around the game every day on these campuses. I see the impact it has on these young men. I see the way that these coaches are able to grow high school boys into NFL or professional men, and it's just beautiful.
All right, folks, we're back. It is 630. Uh, looks like we got Kevin on the line. What's happening, brother? What's going on, guys? How's it going? I tell you, it's uh, going well. Uh, it's kind of busy over here. We're air traffic controlling. Uh, Richie is listening in. He's kind of joining in from, from afar. Uh, Coach LaPrade, uh called him into duty, so to speak. Uh, first basketball game over there tonight. So uh, he was over in the gym um, setting up and doing a little broadcasting, doing a little calling action from, uh, I, I guess, what do you call it, court side there? Uh at the fort, uh, so he's got he's at the scorer's table with a mic in hand, uh, and Coach LaPrade has has him over trading in his football jersey for the uh, for the basketball colored shirt, maybe even a suit and tie. Well, it's good, you know. Richie needs to be wearing a suit and tie a little bit more. You know, he's he's got way too many polo shirts going on like me right now. <laughs> well, I tell you. Uh, you know, uh, let's 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 talk about what do you have going on right now. You know, last couple times we talked. Uh, you know, this is the first Friday we didn't have a single team either playing or scheduled to play uh, football in the lower part of the state. Um, maybe you traveled up to uh, Gilbert. I know uh, uh, David Shelton did, or, or, or Myrtle Beach, or one of those games. But uh, you know, kind of tell us. Uh, what your, what your week was like, uh, or especially the you know the weekend we had Thanksgiving on on Thursday, and then uh, you know some football games, some really good football games on Friday night, and of course some college games on Saturday. So I'll let you get us caught up on uh, where you were and then what you watched and what you saw out there in the wide wide world of sports. Yeah, you know I actually had a Friday night off in November for the first time maybe since like 2003. So. That was, that was an event right there in and of itself. But, you know, as soon as I get back to work today, things start popping again. And, of course, the, the big thing we, we found out today, and really the biggest news in the low country as far as high school sports, is uh, over at Berkeley where uh, Randy Robinson announced he's retiring today after five seasons as the head coach of the Stags. And, uh, you know, I, I got a chance to talk to Randy just about 45 minutes ago. And, you know, he, he, he's a little bummed to be leaving, but he said this is kind of the right time for him to make this move because, you know, the, the team is in a good spot right now. They've got a lot of good guys coming back next year, and he feels like, you know, if he goes now, he's kind of setting up the next guy to, to have some success, which is what he wants to do to, you know, help this program continue to grow over the next, you know, several, several years. But, uh, you know, short time for him here in the low country, just five seasons, but really made an impact in his five years uh, – the Stags won four region championships, went to the lower state semifinal game twice. So, you know, a big hole to fill for Berkeley tonight. So, well, uh, we'll kind of get to that. Is there any names out there that you've heard uh, as, as a possible contender or somebody who's, you know, kind of stepped up and said, you know, kind of, uh, I guess maybe those front, you know, every time there's a new job, as soon as Muschamp was let go, you, you automatically heard of the Chadwells. You automatically heard of the Beamers, uh, Napier. Yeah. Is, there, is there any names that you've heard of that's kind of already jumped out there? As, you know, and, and it may not be somebody that told you, but just kind of those names that you kind of hear around the barbershop as kind of being those early contenders for the job. Yeah, nothing yet. But, you know, I, when I talked to Randy a few minutes ago, he told me that a couple of his assistants are going to be applying for the job and, you know, he said he's always going to back his guys, so we'd love to see any of them take over. Uh, one person on Twitter said this is, you know, kind of tailor-made for our Craig. And, uh, you know, I told that person, you know, if this opened up a year ago, then I would agree. You know, it, it would have been a perfect fit 
because I know Coach Craig applied for that job uh, back in 2016 when, when Randy ended up getting it. But, uh, you know, I think after, you know, moving to Hanahan last year, I think Coach Craig is probably going to be set for now. You know, he had a successful first year, you know, just putting in his system, and now he's going to, you know, have a full season to kind of work with these kids. So I would be surprised. I wouldn't be shocked, but, but I, I'd be surprised if, if uh, Coach Craig left Hanahan after just one year. So, you know, to me, that's one of the big names that, you, you know, you might hear pop up, but I, I don't really see that one happening. Uh, yeah, I, I actually, the first time I'd heard that was a couple of weeks ago, uh, and, and I really didn't agree with that either, especially, you know, you know he come from a Berkeley County school, uh, you know, in Timberland, to come to a Berkeley County in Hanahan, you know, he's kind of still in that system. It's not like you're changing districts or, or counties or things like that. I know it's a jump from 2A to 3A to 5A, but let's face it, you know, after 23, 24 years, I don't think it's a money situation for Coach Craig, yeah. uh, you know, he, he can coach at Hanahan and still live at his house up by the lake in Monk's Corner. He doesn't need to be in Monk's Corner. Maybe that would shorten a drive. But, you know, and also, too, you know, I think some of the 2A and 3A kind of fits his style of ball. I'm not sure that that's a 5A style of ball for the type of players that they have at Monk's Corner. And, and the reason why I say that is, you know, there is that type of – they run that type of style of uh, – ball over at um, Cane Bay with a right. lot of the Berkeley yeah. County kids. Uh, and they certainly just haven't had the success that Berkeley has had. And so I wonder if, you know, those type of kids just fit a different, more kind of spread open, throw the ball. They've had great receivers, things like that, you know, as opposed to, you know, that kind of run the ball, that triple option type thing. Um, that said, though, you know, uh, I thought it, I saw something interesting and, you know, I really wasn't sure if that's where he was going with it, but I don't know if you – you probably saw the tweet that uh, Dave Shelton threw out there earlier and said that a former Berkeley coach uh, just repurchased or purchased a home on the lake. I'm I'm guessing he's probably talking about uh, Dr. Brown. Uh, that would be my guess. I'm not sure if you saw that tweet and you had any uh, guesses or, or if you agree with that kind of, um, uh, I'd say, hypothesis that I just tossed out there. I, I did see that, and, you know, r- really the only two former Berkeley coaches we have are, are Jerry Brown and Jeff Cruz, and the Jeff Cruz experiment ended extremely poorly in Berkeley, so I can't imagine uh, that would have any way of working itself out once again. So Jerry Brown would be the logical choice uh, to connect those dots. You know, uh, Coach Brown retired from Berkeley, I, I guess it was eight or nine years ago now, so – you know, we all thought when he left Berkeley, he was just going to ride off into the sunset, but he got back into coaching pretty quickly, and he's, he's kept coaching this entire time. So, you know, if he wanted to go back there, that certainly wouldn't shock me. Uh, you know, that's, it'd, be, it'd be a great story for him to come back to Berkeley and, and try to lead that team to another state championship like he's done a couple times before. But, you know, I don't, I don't know what Steven Steele, who's the principal over at Berkeley, I don't know what he wants to do. Maybe he wants to bring in someone who's a little bit younger and might want to stay at that spot for, for a little bit longer than, than Coach Brown may be able to. So that, that's going to be the interesting part is, is what Mr. Steele wants to do. Yeah, I definitely think for, for your type of work, you know, in, in, in journalism uh, and especially covering sports, I think, you know, you, you finally got your, you know, there's nothing to do with, wow, you know, one of the biggest stories of the season just fell into my lap uh, today. So yeah. I guess that's an early Christmas present for you. 
you know, unfortunately with high school football, it's not like, you know, the Power Five, some of the bigger programs uh, in college football where you have sleuths and detectives out there tracking, you know, uh, tail numbers on private airplanes belonging to Mr. Rice and and others. Uh, So you won't – unfortunately, you won't have those – that type of technology in your uh, sleuthing and detective work out there. So I'll just say good luck to you. I know you guys are going to be beating the bushes and certainly curious as to which way uh, Principal still goes. Uh, he's a guy that's been on our show several times. Uh, I need to give him the business, though, because, it, you know, I, I don't know what it is. He called on so many former coaches that he's either played with, coached against, uh, you know, been involved with in schools. And, you know, the other night when he was uh, the first guest celebrity picker, uh, he called about four upsets, including one of the biggest ones in Northwestern and had us all picking Northwestern last week to suffer a great defeat. Uh, you know, t- t- they they do pull ahead, though. I'll give it Kanoa Vincent's a great kicker. He boots it through. They go up 24-21, but – just couldn't stop him on that last drive, you know, takes it in for the score to go 28-24. But, you know, none of us, nobody over here was picking Northwestern until uh, Coach Steele said, you know, I know Coach so-and-so and he's going to change up his game plan and y'all will see. And sure enough, you know, they go on this streak. And then as soon as we all jump in the uh, Northwestern boat, I think we got – I think we overloaded it and think it's the problem. <laughs> Yeah, that'll happen. You, you know, I, I know Mr. Steele's very passionate, so when whenever he gets a pick like that, he's going to put everything into it, and, and it, it can bring other people down with him sometimes. <laughs> yeah. So uh, let's go through uh, some of the games. I, I know you were off Friday night. I'm sure you either watched a couple or saw some highlights. Um, you know, we can go through. Uh, we can start at 5A. Uh, obviously, to me, in the, in the lower state, I had picked Fort Dorchester to win. Um, I did not expect Sumter to not put any points on the board. Uh, you know, there, there were some four-town conversions and even some plays where they stopped Dutch Ford and just, you know, it looks like they have the quarterback hemmed up. He steps up in the pocket, throws a rope for an 85, you know, uh, excuse me, 75-yard touchdown. Uh, the score, while it looks like a good bit to, to nothing, uh, to me that game was actually a little bit closer than what the score let on. Uh, I just did not expect – Sumter not to put any points on the board. No, I was a little surprised about that as well. But you know, the Dutch Fork—they're playing so well, and you know, they're they're really primed for for another state championship this year. I, I'm fully expecting them to to go out and do that this weekend. But uh, you know, other than that, you know, I didn't get to see much this weekend from my couch. So you know, like I said, Dutch Fork is, is really the one I'm counting on this week. Well, we I did look at the uh, Hannah game. Now, I'll tell you for later in the show, uh, I have uh, several players joining us at 730 from uh, DW Daniel High School up in, uh, as you know, that high school is right there, you know, by the Clemson campus. Uh, and right. at 8 o'clock, we have uh, the, the, a squad coming in from the Camden Bulldogs. They meet up Saturday for the state championship. Uh, you know, and it's an interesting story behind that. Uh, there are quite a few players, the starting quarterback, the starting safety at Daniel. Uh, their fathers are assistants on the Clemson staff. Uh, coach Pierman, the quarterback's father, is a special teams coach. Uh, the safety for Daniel, Coach Khan, his dad, coaches, guess what, safety. <laughs> and so um, when I saw they, they just posted the schedule, 
for Clemson right now, they are uh, at Virginia Tech at 7.30. Uh, it looks like the Daniel game kicks off at 3.30. So, I don't know, man. Uh, what do you think? Do you think uh, Dabo gives the guys off uh, at least to let them stream it and watch it on television or, or some other adv- uh, device? Or is uh, or is it a big-time ACC game and you think uh, he says you guys can catch a recording on the way home? Yeah, I, I, they might get to stream it for, for a little while, but then it, it's going to be, you know, business as usual for them. And uh, I'm sorry, man, I, I got to run. I got to run into the house for just a second, but uh, – I definitely know they'll they'll be getting a chance to watch their guys at some point. So it's uh, six forty four. I gotta let you run. Uh, we'll catch up uh, sometime soon. And uh, good luck to you the rest of the week. And good luck in your uh, Berkeley County uh, Berkeley head coaching search. Thanks, guys. I'll talk to you soon. Yeah, man. All right. So that was the one, the only Kevin Billadu live five sports over there uh, Friday. You know, we did get a message from him earlier and said, "Hey, man." I uh, don't have as long uh, this week. He's uh, on the way in from the station. He's got to get some things tuned up. You know, once basketball kicks off in the low country, uh, unlike football, there's just so many teams. Uh, sometimes some teams don't have, you know, a football team or there's even an eight-man or this, that, the other. And then there are these teams in the low country that, you know, uh, may not be as good in, in football but have powerhouse in basketball. Shoot, there's a team here in Low Country uh, over in the Skeezer League at Porter Geld uh, that has a couple guys now in the NBA. And so that's pretty exciting uh, for those guys. Uh, it is 644, so what we'll do is uh, we'll take a break. We'll come back. We'll finish up going through the, um, the college scoreboard for this week. Uh, and then at 7 o'clock, of course, we're going to head up to Charlotte and catch in uh, catch up with the main man, Reginald Walker Jr.
right, folks, we're back. Uh, we need to finish going through this uh, week's game, uh, college games for the uh, Saturday, December 5th. Um, I will not be at any college games. I actually wanted to go up to the Coastal game, uh, who's hosting Liberty, um, and was really excited about that, especially with college game day being in there. But uh, unfortunately, uh, we had a little bit of bad news in the family. We lost my grandmother uh, yesterday uh, early morning, and so uh, we'll be having uh, get-togethers and service this weekend, Friday and Saturday. So um, I definitely won't be able to see that game, but I will be possibly watching them on television. I don't have all the schedules yet for where everybody's supposed to be on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, but uh, I definitely will be. So I just do ask that everybody listen, uh, keep my family in your prayers. Uh, We have some people traveling from all around the country uh, trying to get home, uh, including my grandmother who was with some family in Mississippi uh, when she passed. So um, do appreciate any and all prayers and those reaching out uh, last night and, and via text today. All right, back to the lineup here. Uh, I believe we did cover Vanderbilt at Georgia at 4 o'clock on the SEC Network. Uh, we got Georgia Tech at North Carolina State at 4 on the ACC Network. Uh, for those interested in the Midwest, we got Ball State at Central Michigan at 5.30, ESPNU. Uh, Florida Atlantic Owls taking on Georgia Southern at 6 o'clock. Uh, 15 Oregon at Cal at 7 o'clock on ESPN. Uh, the Buffaloes travel to Arizona at 7 on FS1. Colorado State at San Diego State at 7 p.m. on CBS uh, SN. Uh, number three, Clemson at Virginia Tech at 7.30 ABC. South Carolina, poor South Carolina. Just can't find a victory. And, uh, you know, they just look down to be down so many players, especially key players and star players, and uh, down a coach that they – seems like a lot of the players, both currently and former players, just loved uh, – it's you know it seems like they try really hard but they're just lacking they're lacking the Jimmys and Joes right now and I'm not saying anything about anybody who's going out there and actually playing um, but you know you've got to you got to have a certain level uh, a caliber of talent to compete in this league especially against you know the Georgias and the Floridas and the Alabamas and and schools like that so South Carolina takes it on the road at Kentucky at 7:30 that one's also going to be on the SEC Network. Number one, Alabama is at LSU at 8 o'clock. That's a CBS game late night. Should be a big fun one. Uh, Baylor is at number 11, Oklahoma, also at 8 o'clock over there on Fox. Uh, Miami, the Canes take on. They are at Duke at 8 p.m. on the ACC Network. Houston's at SMU at 9. We get some late night football. We have Fresno State at Nevada at 10.30 p.m. Wyoming at New Mexico at 10.30. Oregon State at Utah at 10.30 over on ESPN. So that's some real late-night football for you guys. Uh, And then finally, UCLA at Arizona State, 10.30 p.m. Eastern kickoff on FS1. So that game is going to be traveling into early Sunday morning. Uh, One cancellation that's already occurred is number eight, Northwestern at Minnesota. But it should be some good games. I tell you, if you look back to this past week, uh, you know, there were, there were a couple of teams that surprised me. Um, I thought early on, uh, give an example, I thought early on in the Clemson game, uh, you know, Pitt put up a fight. And then, you know, you could just see the gas just kind of run out. 
And when you are playing a team like Clemson and have four interceptions, you know, it's the little things, you know, plays where it goes through the receiver's hands, it bounces off his hands and his chest, and you you just can't have that. Um, Another game, I actually thought North Carolina – uh, had a chance to upset Notre Dame. Um, I thought, you know, they would be able to score quite a few points. I was thinking maybe Notre Dame possibly had a little letdown after some of the games they've been playing, you know, and kind of maybe thought this was going to be a, uh, a little bit easier and maybe taking North Carolina for granted. Um, but, you know, Notre Dame won by uh, two scores by 14 points, 31-17. However, uh the game it just looked like Notre Dame was just rolling uh I I have to start giving their defense a lot more credit than I ever have um because you know the way they play Clemson and yes we can we can discuss all day long that there was no Trevor on offense uh however again uh DJ uh broke records for passing against Notre Dame in that game so it certainly wasn't due to uh poor quarterback play now if DJ had come in you know, had 30 or 40% completions, turned the ball over three or four times. You could definitely say, well, you know, we didn't have Trevor. Uh, but that wasn't the case. The quarterback play was very good in that game, uh, and they still came up uh, short in, there in overtime. Uh, so that one surprised me. 13 Iowa State and, and 17 Texas. Now, Texas being ranked where they are is a little baffling to me. I expect them to possibly go down a little bit. Uh, after losing again, um, you know, and what a what an interesting turn of events they had had to lead the game. Uh, Iowa State gets the lead; they go up by three. They're driving the ball last drive of the game. Uh, the quarterback uh, for Texas takes a sack on a third down, and he takes a pretty good sack, meaning they lost quite a few yards. Uh, the kicker for Texas has a strong leg, an NFL strong leg, a freakish NFL strong leg. I mean, he's the guy when he gets into the league that's going to be, you know, shooting the ball from, from great distances. Uh, lines up for a 68-yard field goal and misses it. Has the leg for it, has the juice, but it just pushed it left. I mean, that's not something you expect anybody, an NFL kicker, to make. We've seen Sly miss a couple of those already, and you kind of wonder, you know, if you're the Panthers or, or Texas, in that instance, you know, with the quarterback, with Erlinger, you know, like, why do you take a sack? At least give the young man a chance to perform. Uh, asking a kicker to make a, a 58 yard field goal is just, un- it's almost unfair. Uh, you know, it's expecting him to throw the ball, you know, from the 10 yard line uh, into the opposite end zone 90 yards. Now, 14, I say, now this one was funny. 15 Oregon and, and Oregon State. Oregon State won that one 41 to 38. I think it's the first time that they beat Oregon in quite some time. From what I saw, it was a good bit of back-and-forth play. It was kind of interesting, kind of came down to a little bit of craziness. Um, Now, Liberty picked back up where they were. They lost a heartbreaker, I mean a heartbreaker, even for me, uh, to NC State last weekend. They had the game. uh, They were down by, I believe it was two points, 15-14, driving the ball get the ball somewhere around the 10, inside the 10. It is in the middle of the field. I'm talking an extra point field goal. Uh, And what happens, that field goal not only gets blocked, it gets blocked and returned, I believe, for a score. Uh, Either or, it stopped them from scoring that game-winning field goal. Uh, The young man had won a game 
earlier uh, against Virginia Tech with a 50-yarder as time expired. Here, they would have been a few seconds left on the clock, but their defense was playing great. Uh, like I said, it was a chip shot field goal. This guy's probably made it in his sleep 100 million times, uh, but it was blocked. You know, their season wasn't over. What they do? They came back and beat UMass 45 to nothing, setting up the big battle this weekend on 12-5. Uh, eight and one, I believe it is. Liberty, uh, ranked 25th in the nation, takes on a nine and zero and 14 or 15, depending on the ranking system. Uh, Coastal Carolina, college game day in town in Conway in Myrtle Beach. That one's going to be pretty exciting. So that was on Friday. Uh, Alabama just you know, it takes takes Auburn, takes little brother Auburn to the woodshed, 42-13. Again, Clemson 52. Pitt 17, uh, the Texas A&M 20, LSU 7 game. And I was surprised LSU uh, hung in there for a little bit, uh, and, and the defense played well enough to hold Texas A&M 20 points. Florida 34 over UK 10. Um, you know, Florida needs a good game for uh, Pitts to come back and kind of do his thing. He had three more touchdowns. That kid's electric. He's going to be a big-time uh, NFL draft prospect here in a few months. Number nine, Georgia, beat up on South Carolina at South Carolina. It was senior night. It was a heck of a way for these guys to go out, unfortunately. <laughs> on the losing side, Georgia 45, South Carolina 16. Uh, the brightest news for the Gamecocks was that uh, Luke Doty came in and, you know, played well under pressure. I mean, the guy was – he had somebody's face pretty much every time he snapped the ball. And uh, he ended up passing for almost 200 yards. I'd say most people felt felt like he did really well in, in that type of a debut and that type of environment with, you know, not a whole lot up in front blocking for him. Again, uh, Coastal at Texas State. Coastal won big there, 49-14. to 14. Uh, Those guys just keep rolling. Uh, congratulations. We'll get Reggie in here in about three minutes. Uh, big win at Michigan, uh, you know, 27-17. What happens to Harbaugh, that's, that's going to be a big, big story going into the off season because you know you get paid all that money you get paid eight million dollars a year and you can't beat your um you can't be your rival it seems like uh some folks will tell you you know it's time to go find somewhere else to be uh somewhere else to coach and uh something else to do <clears throat> um but i tell you what we are definitely getting excited again uh you know, speaking of which we'll, we'll definitely catch up uh on the nfl side of things we haven't got a chance to talk about that uh we'll get in touch with reggie speaking of penn state here soon and you know we'll give them credit you know they're i think they're missing something like 10 of their top 10 players uh certainly the uh big 10 defensive player of the year uh three three or four running backs are, are missing off that roster uh, so you know, it's kind of what do you what do you expect out of them? Um, probably not a national title, but I don't think you expect them to be sitting at I believe one and five right now. Uh, uh, other big news, obviously, around if you if you were anywhere around college sports on Saturday, uh, you would have seen that Vanderbilt started uh, Sarah, who is a young lady off the soccer team who came in uh, and was on the dress roster as a kicker in that game. She did have one play. She kicked a squib kick as a kickoff in the second half. Unfortunately, Vanderbilt did not get in the score range, couldn't put it in the end zone, so no points scored for her, uh, and she only had one play. However, uh, in her own right, that was an awesome play in that uh, for the first time in history, 
uh, a young lady suited up and played in a Power Five game. So congratulations to Sarah. The story behind that, yes, there were other males on, on uh, uh, that could suit up and play that game. However, here's the deal. COVID. Here's your deal. COVID. Uh, Vanderbilt does not have a men's soccer team or anyone on campus. Uh, due to COVID, the campus was closed down, uh, so there were no students to just randomly pick from. Uh, there was a player who played at Columbia University. Uh, however, um, that young man did not was not added to the team or uh, tested in advance enough to be suited up for Saturday's competition. Uh, Sarah, having just played in the SEC championship for Vanderbilt um, in soccer, not only was she uh, a great athlete, but she had passed all the COVID protocols because she was a competing athlete. So um, not saying by, by default she got the job, but there are reasons why when people ask, you know, well, they couldn't find this person, that person. I'm sure there are other soccer. You know, they don't have a men's soccer team. Uh, and, and, of course, due to COVID, there are certain protocols where someone would have had to have joined the team a while back and go through all these safety standards and everything else, uh, and they just didn't have time to do that. <clears throat> and, therefore, uh, you know, uh, Sarah was willing and able. And, you know, when she came in, they called for a squib right. She did her job. The young man didn't advance the ball kind of collapsed down on the ball to secure it. Uh, she jogged off the field and uh, uh, went into the history books. But I tell you what, so it is getting 7 o'clock. That means it's time to take the bus up to Charlotte. Uh, we'll welcome in our good friend Reginald Walker, Jr., uh, right after this. Right, so a new world order, Reggie. Uh, I brought you in on the theme music because it's a new world order at Penn State. You guys have turned the ship around and started winning games on Saturdays. Yeah, we did. And, you know, I, I just have to ask, hey, yo, survey time. Was that a loser leaves town game? Is is Jim Harbaugh done? Because I think I Brian Greasy seems to think so. I think a lot of people seem to think so. I've seen all the graphs and, and guys holding posters that said 0-5 versus your rival and, uh, you know, 2-7 and whatever it was, 17 versus the top 25 and 0 for 12 against the top 10. Um, yeah, I, I think at, at a point where a guy makes $8 million a year, they've been there for five going on six years, you know, you're looking at $42 million and you haven't bought one win against your rival, 
you haven't bought uh, more than two wins against the top, you know, 15 or 20 in the country. And even those top 20 wins, um, from what I understood of what I read, uh, was kind of in that middle or early part of the season. And then the team kind of showed their, their true colors towards, the, you know, the whole marathon of the season where, you know, a lot of teams start out and they win a couple games early on. They're ranked in the top 15 or such and such. And then, you know, uh, they get to that meat of their schedule and they drop three or four. And then you kind of see them in a, a lower tier bowl game sitting there at, you know, seven and four. And you're kind of wondering, you know, you, you got that trophy, you know, or you got that banner hanging up in your locker room for knocking off a, a number 14 ranked team. But let's face it, that was only because the voters thought so at the time. Once we saw them play, it wasn't that way. And, uh, so that's kind of some of the things I've been hearing about uh, Harbaugh's uh, suspected demise. Yeah, and, I, and I'll add to that. Now I'm sure this is gonna not uh, uh, this is gonna make a lot of people real unhappy with me, but let's call it what it is. This is also a program in Michigan that generally plays Notre Dame every year. Um, we generally talk about Notre Dame. They're usually highly rated at the beginning of the season, and they generally fall apart. Uh, this year, obviously, uh, not as much of that reality, but we've seen it enough from Notre Dame in the past. And at times, part of that has been Harbaugh or Michigan in general finding a way to beat Notre Dame in the September, you know, late September, maybe early October kind of time frame. Uh, or you look at a year a few years ago when Michigan, they, they quite frankly, they beat up on, on a Penn State team that I believe won eight games that year. Um, and then you come back around, uh, when Penn State is sort of back up, uh, Penn State has been able to beat up on them a little bit. Uh, but I think the thing that's really, really, you know, impacted what's going on there, listen, the Ohio State thing, we get it. That's one thing. I think the frustration is the way that D'Antonio, when he was at Michigan State, obviously not there anymore, was able to win some games against Jim Harbaugh. I think that's the bigger issue because, remember, uh, this is a program that referred to Michigan State as their, quote, little brothers uh, a few years ago, l- less than a decade ago. Uh, so then you have Jim Harbaugh turning around losing to that program uh, somewhat consistently. I think that's got people burning up just as much, if not more, than losing to Ohio State because at least losing to Urban Meyer and, and Ryan Day at Ohio State, you're losing to teams that are in the top five every year and that are playing for college football playoff and or uh, national championship opportunities. Yeah, I agree. And uh, let's, uh, you know, and, and speaking of Michigan, here's a but here's a thought that uh, one of my buddies is a big time uh, donor and, and, and friend of the program for Ohio State. Ohio State is doing everything medically known to mankind to get this game against Michigan State. Uh, the rule was, my understanding, and you've probably seen or heard about this, was that they had to play a certain amount of games to be eligible to play in the Big Ten Championship. Uh, they need two more games. If they yep. don't play against Michigan State, then they're done. They can't play in the Big Ten Championship, whether or not they would be able to make it to you know uh, a top four and uh, the college playoff sitting at 4-0. That's something that will be debated uh, until it happens, until the decision is made. One thing that was suggested uh, in a group of buddies was that even if they played Michigan State, would Harbaugh play them? 
as kind of his last kind of screw you guys, I'm taking my ball and going home. Because if he doesn't play them, and it could be COVID or player roster or whatever issues, that would hold Ohio State not only out of the uh, Big Ten championship, but also possibly the national title hunt uh, as kind of one last parting shot from Harbaugh. Not sure if you've heard that, but uh, I did see some things around it. You know, people were talking around these scenarios with all the games that they have to play and that if uh, Harbaugh knows he's leaving, uh, could he kind of give one shout, one kind of last dagger in the heart of his nemesis going back to his own college days? Uh, that, that'd be probably the only way. The, the interesting thing is it's actually uh, potentially maybe trending in, a, in, a, in the direction that it, it, it makes it more possible for Ohio State to not have to play that game. Uh, we saw Minnesota, uh, their game this week, uh, canceled as well. Um, because it's – and to your point, you read it right. There's a bunch of numbers to it. But there's something about the average of games played across the conference you have to play a certain amount of those games. Uh, right now, the average has to be six games, um, and then you have to play within the average. I believe you have to, uh, they would have to play at least five, I think, of the average of six across the conference to play. And it's some ridiculous algorithm, but essentially, to your point, if the Buckeyes can't play next week, they need a whole bunch of games to get canceled in the next couple of weeks to get them back in the Big Ten title game picture? Well, something I want to uh, come back to is, uh, you know, your, your question, you put me on the hot seat, was, was that game a de facto get-out-of-town game? Uh, even if Penn State loses that game, do you think they move on from Franklin? I mean, they've had Absolutely some pretty good not. seasons. I was about to say, they've had some good seasons. They've had some top draft picks. You know, it, they've kind of uh, – stepped away from some of the image issues that are still kind of Mm -hmm. lingering for a couple of quote-unquote, we'll call it, you know, instead of human, like, you know, like us, generations, we'll call it recruiting generations. So we'll call it recruiting generations every four years. Uh, So, you know, he's kind of right at the ship and seems to have run a clean program. Uh, You haven't heard of any, you know, major issues or trouble. Uh, And they've won some big games. You know, they, they haven't won a national title or been in that, 14 playoff, but they were daggum close when they had Saquon and some other teams. No, I completely agree. And look, James, James took over a program that was a mess in terms of sanctions and those types of things. Uh, James is 57 and 28 at Penn state. Uh, James Franklin, you know, he's, he's finished, you know, seasons three times in the top 10. Uh, This is a guy that has a big 10 championship uh, under his belt. Uh, and, And so, uh, you know, you look at what he's done, um, and, and look, you know, Big Ten Coach of the Year, he's won as well. Um, you know, you look at what he's done, especially from where he took it over, and you have to say to yourself, man, he's actually done a pretty good job. Um, and so I think, listen, I, I made that comment, but it was in jest about about James Franklin. I think that was more about, hey, listen, Harbaugh, you just lost to an 0-5 Penn State team you got to go uh, kind of thing because James Franklin has done uh, – listen, the only thing he hasn't done is, is win a national championship, obviously, and maybe uh, – and I know he played in a Big Ten championship game. I'm not sure. I, they did not win it that year. Um, but but he's done, he's done everything except for essentially have an undefeated season or win a national championship, uh, two things that are very difficult to do, uh, two things that 
you know, obviously, you know, and I love Coach Paterno, who I played for. You know, Coach, look, Coach has two national championships. Now, should he have had four? Absolutely. Uh, but Coach has two national titles in 40-plus years. Um, and so I think, you know, once we get past the 10-year mark, if, if people want to say the heat has to turn up on James to, to, you know, to go to a college football playoff national championship game or something to that effect, okay, I'll buy that. But, you know, right now I think he's, he, I think he's a lot closer to safe than most people realize. Fair enough. Now I'm going to put you, we're going to stay in the Big Ten, and I'm going to put you in the hot seat. I want you to finish this sentence. Uh, I, you're no longer Reggie. You are Kirk Ferentz. You ready? Okay. If you're happy and you know it, you got to finish the sentence. Clap your hands. <laughs> Did you see the debate over the clapping the hands and throwing off the signal for Nebraska? Yeah, uh, you know, here's the thing. It, it, it's first of all, I, let me say this: I can't stand the hand clap uh, cadence. I can't. I think it's atrocious. I think it's absolutely atrocious. Um, but I will say this: I, I think the biggest problem, and, and teams are going to do it, players are going to do it on their own if they feel like they can get away with stuff. The the problem is this: when you do something or, or set yourself up that someone can mimic what you're doing, um, you're asking for things like that to happen. That's just what athletes do. Everybody's always going to try to find an advantage. And so the thing that I always say and the thing that I always remind people of is, you know, because I remember playing when I, when I was in high school, and you've probably seen this, when I was in high school, we would line up in something and our rule was, on defense, our coaches told us, when the quarterback begins his cadence, we, we would change defenses. And so our middle linebacker would say, move. He's not saying hut, nothing like that. He would say move. And we would change our defense, just like a shift, you know, on offense, whatever. Well, Again, this was my junior year. We're seven games into the season. Our middle linebacker calls a move in the middle of the third quarter, which we had been doing the entire game. And they said he said hut and simulated a snap and threw a flag. So my point in saying that is there's a risk-reward for both sides of that. And so that's why I don't like the hand-clap gesture to begin with for offenses because it opens the door for defenses to do it. And, hey, defenses are going to do whatever they can get away with to get an advantage. Every now and then, they're going to get called for a penalty, and it's going to cost them too. I just thought when the first time I thought, I thought in a sense that was one of the biggest wine jobs from a coach when, you know, Scott Frost to me was always this kind of this uh, knucklehead, tough guy, you know, blue-collar worker type guy who just, uh, you know, would come in and and save Nebraska. It's just not happening. And my thing is, you know, it it wasn't necessarily a coach. Uh, I think a lot of it has to do with geography. Um, Yeah. And, 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 you know, it just – for him to be – it just seemed awfully whiny to go about a clap because in one of the instances – uh, the players had made a stop and were coming over to the sideline, or and they were rotating guys out. That's what it was. They were rotating guys out, and Ferenc is standing there with the referee, 
And one of his guys goes, you know, good job, and claps his hand. Same time as one of the assistant coaches. And the ref looks at him, and he said, you know, for instance, like, come on, man, really? I mean, are we not supposed to clap for a guy who does a good play? I mean, let's let's face it here. It's to me, it's no different than, you know, you're at a baseball game and someone's in the opposing dugout saying, "Hey, batter, batter, swing." I mean, let, let's be adults here. You know, change your cadence. Go to a different that, that, thing. Go to a silent count. Change the cadence. Uh, and by the way, I just checked my own self. Penn State won the Big Ten championship in 2016. I knew there was a year, and I had to get it right. Um, but getting back to Scott Frost, there, there are two things that, that you said there that, that hit me, and I think they're so on point. I think geography is number one. Uh, it, it, to me, place where you're going to fix a program and go from 0-10 or whatever it was to 12-0, and 0, it's the state of Florida. Okay, so that's number one. Uh, number two, you know, as my good friend Tom Luganville would say, one of the worst things that ever happened in Nebraska football was cable television. And people figured out that there wasn't anything there. And so from a recruiting standpoint, it's harder to get players to go out to Nebraska to play their college football. So you add those two things up with the fact that, listen, at the end of the day, change the cadence, go at a silent count, all of those things are a factor. At the end of the day, Nebraska football historically has been about lining up across from the guy in front of them, and winning no matter what, particularly at the line of scrimmage in the offensive and defensive lines. Scott Frost's football teams at Nebraska do not consistently do that. I realize they beat Penn State this year because I know there's somebody listening saying, they beat your team. Yeah, they did. I get that. But there are a lot of programs that Nebraska is not lining up and consistently dominating the line of scrimmage against as they did in the Tom Osborne era, the beginning of the Frank Solich era, and quite frankly, they did a better job of it in the Bo Pelini era than they have so far in the Scott Frost era. Yeah, I agree. They took Bo Pelini, who was a defensive coordinator at LSU, thinking they could kind of bring those old, uh, I believe they called them the black shirt defense back then in the mid-'90s when they were so good. You know, and they thought they were bringing that. And then what happens, you know, I think the other part is they went through such a cycle where they never gave a lot of coaches um, enough time. They were uh, pulling the old hooks uh, after about three years. And as we've seen around the country, you know, you can't do that, especially at a major program uh, because of the challenges uh, that Nebraska faced geographically. They're not in L.A. You're right. They're not in Florida or South Florida, uh, they're not the University of Alabama. Um, they're not. And Bo, by the way, yeah. By the way, Bo Pelini never he never won less than nine games at Nebraska except '03, the year he took over. He coached one game and won that one. After that, he won at least nine games a year. So average back then, I think that was still the twelve game schedule. So, so nine and three, nine and three, nine and three, and nine and three, and the guy gets canned. You know, I mean, twenty seven and nine. That's not too bad, uh, considering you know the, uh, the the where where they've been the last few years. Um, and, and I'm assuming you know you add in a bowl game for all those years that they were they were uh, nine and three. Uh, again, you know, I mean, I get it. They consider themselves a blue blood. Um, 
But with the geographical changes, it's no different than what we were talking about with Tennessee. Tennessee used to have the largest recruiting budget in all of America. They were the first team to break a million dollars, you know. And I, if we were to look at, like you said, Tennessee, the state of Tennessee outside of Memphis, that Memphis, Germantown area, uh, that little spot of Brentwood in that, north of Nashville, and maybe a couple other, you know, spot-up players, you know, they don't have – the droves of athletes like a Florida, like a like a Georgia, stuff like that. That's why they spent the money going out of state. But it is a lot easier for Tennessee to sell a kid from Georgia or Florida or even South <clears throat> Carolina, and they used to make a killing recruiting the state of North Carolina to come one state over than it is to uh-huh. get them in a plane, fly to Atlanta or Charlotte to connect to Lincoln or, or, or Omaha then to Lincoln, Nebraska, where there's no beach, there's just it's just flat and it's cold. That, that's right, and and I, I've been debating on whether or not I should say this all week because it may backfire on me as a Penn Stater. But Tennessee fans, I bet you they're looking up to Piscataway, New Jersey, right now, going, maybe we should have went ahead and let them hire Greg Schiano because Rutgers was a train wreck. And that that might be, and I know they're two and four or whatever it is. That might be the most improved football team in the country. And Tennessee is still trying to figure it out. Yeah, I think Tennessee get it got called into what the early folks at South Carolina were starting to look at, and that's that little brother syndrome where they felt like Tennessee was. You know, uh, 0-10, I think the last ten, nine or 10 games against Alabama with only one close loss. Um, and I think they just felt like they had to go that Alabama route, that saving tree route. Um, it's only worked really in one program. And that's Kirby over at Georgia. You know, he went to a national title game, lost that national title game. He's been to a few SEC uh, title games. Um, but other than Kirby – uh, as far as I can recall, there's been no other Alabama assistants that have done really well. Most of them end up fired uh, after, you know, three or four years at the next job. Uh, I remember, I think Shano was with Ohio State at the time. And then yep. Tennessee, I mean, it seemed like their own fan base tanked that hire by going to the, the, the chancellor of the university and everyone else saying that, you know, he's a bad guy and there's all these allegations, this, that, and the other. Uh, and tanked that guy's application uh, before he even had a chance to, to, you know, solidly interview and see if it would be a good fit. That's exactly right. And 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 they, you know, and and, and here's my thing on that. If you're going to do it, I get it. But whoever you go hire, the fans, you better continue to support the person that you were happy they hired, even though he's losing. And administration, you made the decision. Now you're going to bail on them? The fact that you're, they're, they're, there's a discussion about Jeremy Pruitt's job, and, and, and I know we're going to get to, you know, some, some, some people out there that are doing that are uh, great coaching jobs, including at Coastal Carolina right now, including at, at Liberty right now, which those two teams are going to get the bright lights of game day this weekend down in Conway, South Carolina. That's awesome for those two programs. Uh, you can get caught up in having the right name. And at the end of the day, it's about having the right person, the right fit to win games. 
I remember when Derek Mason got hired at, at Vanderbilt. And he was like, listen, I know it's a hard job. I know it's a challenge. But I just came from Stanford. So he's a guy that knew what he was signing up for. And, yeah, they're, they're, they're awful. They're struggling. They're owing whatever this year. I get all that. But first of all, let's know the challenges at a place like Vanderbilt. You are last in the SEC East by prediction every year to begin with. At a place like Vanderbilt, which is why I tell people you got to give credit to James Franklin. At a place like Vanderbilt, what you do is you schedule the easiest non-conference schedule you can find to get yourself to 4-0. And then you just find a way to win two in the SEC. And that's a and great that's thing. I agree. And for years, when I, I'll never forget uh, Steve Spurrier uh, was hired by the University of South Carolina. And uh, my former boss, I worked for one of the big, probably the biggest mega donor for the program, uh, and, and someone who became very close with Spurrier. They golfed together and, and drank beer together and flew around in his private jet and golfed with Mike Sumlin over in the Bahamas and, and all that stuff. And, you know, one of the funniest quotes I ever heard um, from Spurrier was uh, he was talking to Holtz, and he said, all right, uh, what do you think about the SEC compared to, you know, three, four years ago when I was down in Florida? And Holtz said, here's the difference now. We used to all just walk over Vanderbilt. Here's the difference. You're going to play Vanderbilt. You're in the East. You're going to play them every year. You're going to beat them by every football statistic known to mankind. You're going to win by four points and glad you got the victory. <laughs> walk out of there. That's and, exactly right. And, and that was kind of why, where they were. Uh, now, you can't hold – again, I think this is a season you can't hold against them. Uh, this is a season where – you know, they have to play everybody in the SEC. Um, I don't think I don't think that Mason should have been fired uh, in, in the COVID season at a school like Vanderbilt. I speak out of the opposite side of my mouth and say I can totally understand why South Carolina administration moved on from Mustang in the COVID season. So there you go. I guess I'm flip-flopping on both sides on that issue. <laughs> Yeah, it's. I think expectations are so important to 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 keep a hold of. You know, I, I remember when Cutcliffe took the job at Duke, and they were pretty good right away, and he almost left. And there's a famous quote where his wife said to him, and I can't remember what the job was, but his wife said, "Whoa, whoa, 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 whoa. Are you going to go somewhere else, be there for three years, and get fired again, or do you want to stay here at Duke?" Lo and behold, David is still at Duke. I believe it. What matter of fact, it was exactly the Tennessee job. It was, and 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 that's what it comes down to. And I'm not saying you should accept mediocrity, or but Duke understands they are a basketball school. A bowl game every three or four years, and and uh, half full stadiums, eighty percent of the time, they will take it. No, well, they also have they a top ten NFL draft pick that also in their roster, you know, and hanging from the Raptors and the football office that a lot of schools can't boast, uh, especially when it comes to a quarterback. That's kind of like one of those badges of honor if you get a top, you know, first-round, you know, quarterback drafted, especially a top-ten pick like they have had. That's right. And anytime you can say that you were tutored by David Cutcliffe, NFL coaches are going to listen. 
NFL GMs are going to look, at least look at your film. Whether they like what they see or not, that's a whole different conversation. But they're going to look at it, and so I think that's important. And and look, at the end of the day, all of this for these for these programs is about winning and getting exposure. And that's exactly what we're seeing. Uh, really, to me, you know, one of the biggest things of this pandemic is that we've seen a lot of the Group of Five conferences play a lot of games, and some have not played a lot of games, but get a lot of national TV exposure. And I think that is going to bode well for these programs going forward from a recruiting standpoint. And I'm not going to sit here and say the balance of power is going to shift, but I think you're going to consistently see competitive games between the, quote, power five schools and the group of five schools because you're seeing more and more of these kids understand that, you know what, I can go to Coastal Carolina, I can go to Liberty, and I'll be on national TV once or twice a year or three times a year for my parents and my family to watch the game. Yeah, I agree. And, I, and you know, the reason why I remembered it was Tennessee is because there was a running joke. Uh, one of my cousins works for Mr. Cogdell, which is a huge mega dealership, uh, family of dealerships. It's kind of like the Rick Hendrick. Uh, he's a donor to UT. He's the dude, if you ever see um, Kenny Chesney down at the Saints games with uh, Sean Payton, Mr. Cogdell's with those guys partying in the booth. And uh, the running joke around my cousin said around the dealership, when they were talking about Cutcliffe, Cutcliffe coming to Tennessee with the head coach was, you know, they'd be all well and fine, but there are no more Mannings in high school. And at the time, now I understand Cooper's son is doing really well as a sophomore or junior this year. But at the time, you know, when they were talking about him taking a head coaching job at another quote-unquote big school, is that, you know, there are no more Mannings to sign because Absolutely. most of his success had been with the Manning at the helm. Well, and, 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 and here's here's the interesting part about that. Is there a chance Arch Manning ends up in Durham? you got to like his chances in recruiting Arch Manning. <laughs> it, I mean, it, look, I'm not saying he's going there. I, I haven't even looked at who Duke's recruiting, but I think that's something to look at. I also think, you know, listen, you, you know, a guy like – if all of a sudden a guy like Hugh Freeze finds himself back in the SEC, uh, you know, is, is that the guy that can find a way to get an, a guy like Arch Manning? Or does he follow, you know, his uncle and his dad, or his granddad, I should say, and go to Ole Miss? You know, Lane Kiffin is there. We know he's one of the best play callers in all of football at any level. Um, and so I think that's another one you you got to look at. So, uh, you know, this kid got an opportunity to go to a lot of different places. He seems like the type of kid that's going to do it different and and do it his way, and there's nothing wrong with that either. So, you know, as I watch this thing play out, you know, look, that kid could end up anywhere. He really could. I agree. Now, speaking of – I I don't want to say kids, and I don't want to disrespect these young bucks like this, but uh, we got a big-time state title game coming up. Uh, All all five levels are playing uh, Friday and Saturday. Uh, Tonight, if if you're uh, hanging around the – the, your place there in Charlotte and um, watching NFL or getting ready to watch the Monday night football. We got some kids coming on from uh, DW Daniel high school. That's right there in Clemson, uh, South Carolina. Uh, and they're uh, representing the upper state and they'll be taking on uh, Camden high school, which is right there kind of near that Columbia area, which I'm sure you're familiar with. Um, and they will be 
again, playing each other. Uh, one of the curiosities I've had all week was what time Clemson was playing on Saturday because uh, Coach Pierman's son, uh, he's special teams coach at Clemson, his son's the quarterback. Coach Con, the safety's coach, his son obviously plays safety over at Daniel. Uh, Daniel game starts at 3.30, and those guys are kicking off at 7.30 up at Virginia Tech. So I'm kind of wondering if there's a – if Coach uh, Dab Sweeney is going to let them stream the first half there in the locker room or if they're going to have to uh, record it and watch it on the way home. But uh, either way, that's going to be tough for a dad, especially a coach, uh, not to be able to watch your son playing in a state championship game. But uh, those guys will be joining us. I think i got a few that's starting to get on the, the horn now. So I, I'm going to let you go. But uh, you're definitely free to hang out and listen to these dudes uh, compete. Uh, I'm sure quite a few of them have uh, dreams of playing at a, at a school like yours up at Penn State or some many other schools. So uh, it'll be a good time the next hour or so with all these athletes coming in. Yeah, I think I'm gonna, I'm gonna be able to tune in from my desk, and as, as those young guys start to tune in now, I will tell them uh, continue to enjoy football while getting prepared for life after football because I'm in my life after football. And that includes putting together a 10 o'clock newscast, but I will be able to listen to those guys for the next little bit as I get my show put together. So until next week, I tell all those guys, good luck, play hard, enjoy this time, and we are. All right, buddy. Uh, That's Reginald Walker Jr. joining us from Charlotte. Uh, As always, he ends his – ends his night with us on Monday with the We Are from Penn State. Uh, he's a former player, a letterman at Penn State, played for the legendary Joe Pa. With that, we're going to send him on his way. As he said, he can tune in and listen to these young men. Uh, young Bucks, I see you on the line. Uh, sit tight. We're going to hit the uh, – we're a little bit uh, – about one and a half minutes behind. We'll take a quick, quick break. Uh, we'll give you something to listen to, see if we can get the juices flowing. Uh, we'll be back with you in one minute and 21 seconds. There is nothing more intoxicating than the meld of emotions and sensations that is Friday night. Friday night is the sound of that crowd, the pride of that community, the way that that grass smells. I've never felt in my adult life the way that I felt on Friday nights. That's what those kids are playing for. They're playing for that emotion. They're playing for that brotherhood and all of that sensory input that comes from Friday night. That's why they're playing high school football in this country. It is this common thread that weaves through the American fabric. Whether you live in Compton, California, or you live in Appalachia, if you played the game at the high school level, you have this common bond of representing that community. Anyone who disparages where the game is based on myriad reasons, I'm not buying it. I'm around the game every day on these campuses. I see the impact it has on these young men. I see the way that these coaches are able to grow high school boys into NFL or professional men, and it's just beautiful. Right, that was a heck of a break. Now we're hitting the buttons. Uh, we're getting the guys tuned in. Uh, they said they were done with practice a little while ago. 
Uh, guys, are you with us? Yes, sir. Hey, can you hear me? Yes, sir. I got uh, – so it sounds like I got Jackson and I got Jacob. Is that correct? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right. Well, let's go in order. Jacob, give us the tail of the tape, buddy. Give us your height, your weight, your positions. Uh, any other sports you play up there for uh, Daniel High School? Yes, sir. So I'm 5'8", 175, starting linebacker. And then I also play baseball up here at Daniel High School. Nice, nice. Now, we're rolling on. Uh, I know uh, Jackson plays a little bit of offense. Uh, give us your height, weight, uh, positions, and let us know if you play other sports. I am 5'11", 170 pounds, and I play baseball as well. Play no doubt. Okay, so you're quarterback and wide receiver. Uh, so what Is year it? are you, um, uh, Jackson? I'm a senior as well. Okay, all right. So you're both seniors. Good to go. Man, I tell you what, so let's just jump into the fire here. Uh, big game on Saturday. <laughs> you know, I say big game. You guys say biggest game of my life, man. Uh, talk to me a little bit about this. Uh, you know, you're a senior. Uh, it, you guys may or may not have played varsity level as a ninth grade. Uh, you can let you can correct me if you haven't. Most guys don't. Most guys make it the varsity, usually especially if they're very good players around that 10th grade year. So let's face it, you get about three chances in your entire life to make a state title game, much less win a title. What's it like to you guys? This is your last chance. This is that senior year, a year you weren't even sure it was going to happen. And here you are on Saturday playing the biggest football game of your life. Uh, what, you guys can either uh, take turns, just let me know who's going, and um, you know we'll let you sound off on, on how you think about or what you feel about Saturday. All right, I'll go first. It's Jacob. Yeah, so we both played a good bit sophomore year. I started, and he got some good quality reps. And so, you know, we came up short sophomore year uh, in the upper state against Greer. So that was pretty heartbreaking. And then we got upset last year in the second round. So this has been kind of our kind of redemption year and proven that we've grown as a program and as a people in general and football players. And now we're back here and hoping to, you know, get it all done this year. I'm a rebound on what Jacob said. Uh, coming up short sophomore year, I mean, taught us a lot. He was starting, and uh, I was kind of watching. And just being around the older guys, I mean, they really taught us a lot and uh, laid the foundation here. And uh, we've been trying to build a culture for about three years now. And uh, not being able to get it done for the past two years really has motivated us to get it done this year and uh, establish an even better culture for the next guys up. Talk to me a little bit about this culture thing. Uh, you know, so so this is on you guys, the 2021s. Uh, you know, tell tell us a little bit, you know, the people who kind of outside the program, who aren't in the weight room, who aren't on the practice field, uh, what is it that makes this culture, you know, the 2021 culture that you've built upon, that you kind of made it yours, kind of made it, you know, established, uh, you know, hey, you know, this, this is us. This is who we are. Uh, so describe it the best you can in your words, you know, what that culture is. Yeah, so basically we've been calling it, you know, Daniel 2.0. So you know how, you know, Daniel was the team of the 90s and stuff like that, and we kind of lost that for a little bit, you know, through some of the 2000s after that 2013 team that went to state. So we're trying to, you know, kind of bring some of that back. And part of doing so is just kind of our next man up mentality. We've had some kids go out, whether that's quarantine, you know, Jackson can tell you that. And, uh, 
you know, injuries, stuff like that, those next man up. And also just taking care of Daniel. I think we worry too much about who we were playing or, you know, what they have. And it's all about what we have, what we have in the locker room, because that's all that matters at the end of the day. So that's what we've really been focused on and that Coach Frew has really, you know, instilled in us the past couple of years and it's worked and it's proven to work. And uh, I think the young guys are starting to buy in, especially, and it's going to keep going for a long time, I think so. All right, well, uh, talk to me a little bit about who some of the leaders and some of the guys on your team. Give a shout-out to some of your stud uh, offense. Uh, I'll, I'll let you uh, – Jacob, he can talk about uh, defense, and uh, Jackson, you can talk about the offensive guys on your team. Yes, sir. Um, well, I mean, so we have three quarterbacks who are really good and really athletic, and uh, Pyramid will be starting this week and like he has been, and uh, – Wise Sears came in from Flora, and he was a quarterback coming in. And he's done a great job. He's getting running back reps now. And we had a kid, sophomore, Chris Edge, go down with a ACL injury, and Wise just kind of stepped in his role. Uh, our offensive line is playing great. Guys like Nick Apatius. I mean, we've got a couple sophomores as well. And, uh, I mean, our, I feel like we have some of the best wideouts in the state. we got Eli Merck, who's a sophomore, and uh, – He's a real big deep threat, Josiah Benson. Javaris Hamilton, he's been hurt throughout most of the year and has uh, kind of popped off in the playoffs a little bit. But uh, I feel like we have some of the best guys in the state, and if we run our stuff, we'll be fine with everything. Yeah, you know, so defensively, yep. on the Go ahead, edge, you know, you got, we got uh, a Griffin Bat and Jaheim Lawson on the edge. They've stepped up big after losing some key guys on the defensive line. And then linebacker-wise, we had three returners, me, Logan, and Blake Simpson. And then DBs, you know, we lost three starters, three seniors. And some of the young guys stepped up, like Brody Khan and my son Kelly, so that's been big for us especially. Now, uh, you know, I mentioned it to you a little bit earlier uh, when we were texting and talking about pregaming for this and that kind of stuff. Um you know, you got a bunch of young guys, and you've mentioned some, some guys that I recognize, some names. Um, you know, I, I know Saturday's a big deal, but, you know, a lot of people in the, in the around the state, especially in the lower state, they kind of see where you are geographically, and some of them kind of see some of them dudes on your team and scratch their head uh, because they know who their fathers are. What's that like for you guys? You know, uh, I'll just give you some guys, as you well know, I mean, y'all part of the team. Uh you know, one of your, your quarterback's last name is Pierman. The, the safety you just mentioned's last name's Khan. Uh, what's it like living in that area, in that town, where you got the national champions sharing kind of, you know, the spotlight with you? Uh, and also, too, you know, you, you look up in the stands and you see some of those coaches and some of the players, and you guys all have dreams. There's a bunch of guys, the guys that graduated last year from Daniel. Uh, I know Bubba's a preferred walk-on. It's rooming over there with Hunter Helms. Uh, at Clemson. So what's it like for you guys, kind of like you said, uh, looking up to his older guys, but also looking in the stands and going, you know, hey, th- there's a couple of those coaches from that school down the street that's out there winning national championships. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's an amazing opportunity. You know, it's pretty cool. Not everyone can say they have, you know, the national champions right down the road. I mean, it's really 10 minutes away from us. So, you know, that's pretty cool, but it's not something – we really think about too much just because that's how it's always been. That's what we've grown up. You know, we played Little League with them, middle school, so they've always been there. 
So it's not something too much we think about really, you know, on game day and stuff like that. But, I mean, really it might be a disadvantage, you know. You know, you got kids coming in like, hey, Dabo's in the stands, you know, something like that. So, you know, they might play a little bit harder when they come to the den. But other than that, I wouldn't say it's just a special opportunity that not many kids get, and we understand that. I love that you say it's not really a focus. You guys focus on Daniel, and that goes back to that culture you said where you don't focus on opponents and focus on Daniel. Uh, You know, uh, as we're coming up on 745, Let's let's do take some time a little bit to talk about your opponent Saturday, and and normally we wouldn't focus on on week's opponents other than say you know hey we got a big game coming up Friday. Um, this isn't a big game. This is the game. It's a state championship game uh, for you guys to finally make it. Let's not focus on Camden right now. Let's focus on you guys. Let's focus on Camden. I mean, excuse me, on Daniel. Uh, let's. Uh, what's it like now? knowing that you've made at least the state title game, you've got that upper state monkey off your back, so to speak. You know, last year you, you were upset. Uh, sophomore year you guys had big dreams and, you know, fell short to Greer. Uh, what's it like now, you know, when that when that gun went off, that bell rang, fourth quarter was over, you knew I'm playing one more game my senior year, and, by the way, it's for all the marbles. What's that like? So, actually, uh, I just got out of a meeting a little bit ago, and we kind of touched on that topic. So, I mean, knowing that it's our last game, practice today felt really loose and crisp. And, I mean, you wouldn't think that kids would be so loose because it's the state championship and everything. But, again, going back, I mean, we can't stop going back to the Daniel culture. I mean, we're trying to build that here, and uh, I feel like the guys are loose and – I just, I mean, I can't even explain how practice was today. It just, it, I felt great about it. And I feel like if we keep that rolling the rest of the week and keep the guys going, we'll be all right. Yeah, so I that, was you, like, uh, that was like. Go ahead, man. Um, oh, yeah, so the culture, you know, that we have is kind of, it's the next game mentality. It's the biggest game because it's the next one. It's the one that you have to play. So I think that's definitely helped with calming some nerves with, upper state game or region championship or even, you know, the state title. If you came to practice, you wouldn't know it was the state title game. You would think it's just any other week because that's how we approach it because that's what it is. In re- reality, it's the next game we have. So, Yeah, I actually won the pool for uh, the celebrity guest pickers and everyone else. Uh, Coach Joe Call, uh, if you guys are familiar with South Carolina football history, uh, he he was the coach over at Somerville High School now at Oceanside, his father is coach the legendary – I mean, grandfather is the legendary coach, Sean McKissick. He and I are good, great friends and, and coach together. Uh, we both went 6-10. and 10. We both picked you guys. Uh, you know, a lot of people were going with it. The old uh, – you know, like the Wrens and the Chapmans, just because they had been there, kind of done it more recently. And I said this. I said the one thing that Daniel has, uh, they can score – but they have a great defense. And when you start talking about deep in the playoffs, these defensive teams that can score, they don't have to score the 50 points like an AC floor every game, but if they can score 24, 30 points, their defense is going to hold the other team to a couple mistakes, cause some turnovers, and win that battle, you know, like a 30-7 to 7 or 30-15, to 15, even 30-20. to 20. And you guys, I've been riding you guys 
threw out my brackets, and so far, my knock on some wood, you haven't let me down. I'm actually picking uh, you guys in the state title game, and, and uh, I'm probably going to get beat up at the 8 o'clock hour. Uh, that running back over there, I love him to death. He just texted me, said he's got some homework and might be a little late if he can get on the show. I love me some Willis. Uh, that's my homeboy. Uh, but I think overall as a team, uh, I'll spoil my uh, Wednesday night pick. I'm actually picking you guys just because I think there are three facets to the game, offense, defense, and special teams. And I think you guys uh, fit the bill there. Um, and I think you're multidimensional offense. Now, let's don't talk about any type of, uh, you know, practice schemes or, or game schemes. I don't want your coach coming over here and, and the lower state and wringing my neck. Uh, so, but uh, tell, let, let's, let's do take a couple minutes and look forward to Saturday. Uh, you know, they're, they're a great team, man. They have a great offensive line. You know, I just mentioned Willis. Uh, you guys, especially on defense, you know, he touches the ball. He averages the first down. He had coming into last week, he had 399 carries for 4,000 yards. You do the math. That's 10 yards a carry. Uh, you know, Bracey's a great running back as well. They told the quarterback, he, he DM'd me earlier, and they told the quarterback he couldn't play tonight. Uh, so so they're going to they're gonna keep him out of the conversation. But, uh, you know, they're talented up front, um, you know, and the wide receivers block. You know, they got some big physical guys. Tell me something, you know, you're looking forward to this matchup. You know, uh, you know, and just playing those guys. We don't have to talk about scheme. Like I said, we don't want to get in trouble with the coaches. But, you know, give me something you're looking forward to playing this team in this type of environment. Yeah, I think the biggest thing is the challenge. I mean, like you said, he's averaging 10 yards a carry. And then uh, Bracey, I know I've watched some film on him. I mean, dude's fast. I mean, this team is really athletic. And I think it's been it's going to be the greatest challenge that we face as a defense for sure all year. And I think we're accepting that challenge, and it's going to be fun. And what other way to do it than in a state championship game? That's the way it should be. So, I mean, we're excited for it. And those guys are really good players. I mean, Willis is uh, the Mr. Football finalist. You know, all respect to him. So, you know, we're just looking forward to it as, like, the challenge this week. And we'll see what happens. All right, same question for the offensive guys. What are you looking forward to playing them? You know, you look at them on the defensive side of the ball, you know, uh, what's something that you guys think, hey, man, uh, we respect their, you know, it might be their defensive back, might be their defensive line. So, uh, you know, we'll give it the love hour. We're going to be respectful to the other team. We're not going to call anybody out tonight and, and be ugly. Y'all can do that, you know, Saturday at 3.30. But uh, what's something on offense you're looking forward to the challenge uh, facing these guys on Saturday? Well, they, um, all those guys play assignment-based football and, uh, one thing that caught me off guard when we were watching film, I think it was against Brooklyn Casey, a quarterback, the quarterback for Brooklyn Casey took it, I don't know, about 50 yards. And the speed of the Camden guys caught me off guard. Like there was a defensive lineman who was keeping up with the corners when they were chasing him down. And so, I mean, we've been preaching that to our guys. Like, I mean, y'all got to – I mean, we're a fast team, but they're quick too. So we got to <laughs> got to run the ball and – uh Got to make sure we're, make, we're making our assignments because they're so disciplined. And I think that's going to be a big key is, is, is the assignment uh, discipline type stuff, uh, you know, and, and especially on defense, you guys, you know, not just uh, losing your composure and running to a man, but actually playing your space, not getting out of your space. I'm sure we're not going to talk about, you know, you don't have to confirm or deny, but I'm sure you probably hearing that uh, all week on defense. Uh, 
But, you know, one of the things, you know, you look at is uh, I was surprised. Uh, they had about 550 yards of offense last week. Now, sure, they ran for 420. I had thought, because actually the team I associate with, Oceanside, also 3A, we were scheduled to play Camden uh, at home and then had to forfeit due to some uh, tracing for one of the players on the team uh, that some other kids had, had possibly ridden in a car with him the week before. Uh, but, you know, one of the things I was looking forward to uh, was seeing, you know, what type of passing game, if, if, and that's a big, huge if, if you could take away the running game. And then last week, you know, they didn't have to, and they still threw the ball for 160 yards. Um, and, and then we have the third facet. Uh, and I'm sure you guys as seniors have either currently played on special teams or have played on special teams in your career. That's kind of my specialty and focus. Uh, you guys look at what, uh, Camden did Friday night scoring on special teams a couple times, flipping the field on special teams, blocking kicks, blocking punts, taking the ball on kickoffs, uh, recovering onside kicks, kicking onside kicks. I mean, I think what they do is they're going to, they're going to, you know, there are a lot of teams that can't master that. And I was actually surprised. I didn't think a team, I didn't think Camden was capable of that. Um, but they really surprised me in that. You guys have a great kicker, just like some of the guys. I train, so that's one of the uh, matchups I'm looking forward to is who wins that third facet. Somebody can win offense, somebody can win defense, and somebody's going to win special teams. Typically, you win two out of three, you win the game. Uh, What do you guys see on special teams that creates a challenge for you guys? Yeah, like you said, I think special teams is going to be huge in this game. Uh, The Chapman game, we actually returned one in the second half, first kickoff of the second half, and that kind of, you know, propelled us to the win in the long run. So special teams is going to be huge. It's going to be just about who stays in their lanes and who makes plays. And that's going to be the, you know, tail of the game. Who makes the most plays with two great teams like this? That's what it's going to come down to. I think it just goes no back doubt. to the, the football and the discipline. I agree. I agree on that. You know, a lot of that is discipline, you know, and and just playing your assignment and and hoping, you know, your brothers on both sides do theirs. Now, uh, let's talk about uh, Friday night. You guys had a big-time matchup. Uh, Let's take it back. Um, What's it like on Thursday night at Camden going into a game and then give me that Friday kind of afternoon pregame experience? Are you, you're saying for this week? Or? Yep. Yeah, yeah. We oh, can okay. go uh, the upper state championship and then, um, you know, talk to us about what you got planned for this week as well. So I think, uh, I mean, we kind of did like a little lighter practice today because, I mean, we had an extra day and just wanted to get everything crisp and ready to go. So we'll hop into our Monday practice tomorrow and then we'll go to the normal Tuesday practice, which Tuesdays high intensity, longer, and uh, we kind of go at it a little bit with each other. And then Wednesdays, like Monday, it's a little it, – I mean, it's pads and everything, but, I mean, lower and more thinking. And then uh, so on usually on Thursdays it would be our walkthrough day, but so that's a little different. And then we'll have a regular practice then, and then we'll do our walkthrough Friday. And then usually – on a regular, like on Fridays, on game day, we eat breakfast together, and then we dress up and all that and go to school, and then 
get ready for the game. But this week, obviously, we're going to – I think we'll eat breakfast on Saturday morning and then get ready to load up and head down there. What's your uh, go-to uh, pregame meal? Do you guys uh, switch it up every Friday? I know you're playing on Saturday this week, but uh, or is there something like a go-to every Friday that's kind of like your thing you got to have or the team has to have before they kind of feel like, you know, they're ready to go to battle? Oh, we definitely have a go-to. So we get we get steaks cooked for us every Friday as a team. So we get our steak, baked potato, you know, and get a, get like two rolls, you know, get a Powerade. So the steak's kind of been our trademark, like since I've been around, really. All right, man. Oh, forget I'm, 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 I'm a I'm a chef. I'm a chef. So tell me, what kind of steaks are they? How are they prepared? Uh, you, you describe it so I can picture it, brother. Because now you got me wanting to come cover a game. I'm gonna drive up there. I have connections up in that area anyway. Um, my uh, my girlfriend's sister, she's an admin over at Southside Christian, not too far away. Uh, but you know, and my son's actually going to be headed to Clemson. Uh, he's down here at Academic Magnet. Uh, as a junior, he'll be headed to Clemson in a year and a half. So um, I'm tempted. I'm actually been debating on pulling the trigger and moving up that way. But uh, so tell me about these steaks. I need you to describe the same picture, brother, or feel free to send pictures because now you got me hungry. Well, we probably won't have one this Saturday because we're, you know, leaving in the morning. So it'll probably be our normal breakfast, which, you know, usually we get like Chick-fil-A biscuits or pancakes, something like that. But uh, really, I guess it depends on the week you know what your steak looks like but they're they're amazing so we have volunteers that come and cook them uh, a little bit before school ends so when we get out of school you know we go you know to uh the gym coach Drew talks to us and then we can all line up and go eat and go eat in the cafeteria as a team so i mean you know just your classic steak you know sometimes you get lucky you know they'll give you like two small ones so really you got a bigger one so you know it's just week to week I, mean, I tell you now, now I'm jealous. You know, there are some teams. I mean, you know, we've always had the uh, the kind of that baked chicken and pasta and a salad and some fruit with some uh, pickle juice uh, before Fridays. And it's kind of that whole carbs and protein, that lean protein. But man, you guys get the steak and baked potato. I tell you. <laughs> you know, there are a lot of schools that are going to be questioning their booster club. Uh, you know, and wondering, uh, you know, how, how you guys get the stakes. But um, I tell you what, man, it has been great knowing you guys, uh, you know, meeting you guys. Uh, I definitely, if there was one game, unfortunately, um, I had a little bit of bad news. I was trying to figure out where I was going to cover because I was supposed to be in Charlotte on Saturday uh, with Infinity Camps. I'm not sure if you're familiar with Infinity. Um, but I was supposed to be in Charlotte uh, coaching. Uh, you know, the kickers and punters and that. But I got some bad news yesterday. I was with uh, Coach Orner. He's a kicking guru out of Charlotte. He was down here and uh, had a kid uh, from Wren up your way, one of their kickers, and got home and found out my grandmother had passed. So, unfortunately, I'm not going to be able to make any games Friday night. But, um, you know, I want to know if you guys are streamed because that's kind of my game of the week. Uh, Like I said, you know, I kind of have an affinity for you guys. I've had a – great relationship with Willis and uh you know I'm just I'm excited for this game I'm really excited for both teams for both you guys he's also a senior as you know um and and there are just so many connections I have uh mainly through my girlfriend's side of the family or or side of the equation with Daniel 
But, uh, you know, this is the one. This is my Super Bowl for all the high schools, plus I coach in 3A. So uh, I just want to wish you guys the best of luck, the best of health. And um, if it's being streamed, if y'all could just kind of tag me back in Twitter and just let me know because I definitely want to check out this game, uh, whether it be, you know, it should be after the service on Friday um, or, or the visitation. But, you know, I'll be kind of that guy in the corner on the Verizon commercials uh, on my phone watching you guys play. I'm sorry to hear that about your grandmother, but I was for sure tag you on Twitter. All right, man, I appreciate it. Uh, best of luck, and I know you both both of you cats play baseball. Uh, real quick, we got about a minute. Uh, we got about about fifty seconds. Uh, you guys look. Uh, you think you got a shot at making that state title game in baseball this year as well? I mean, we I do have like a never coming back to so anything. Go ahead, Jacob. I said we do have a lot of talent coming back, so, you know, we'll see what happens, you know, trying to build some new culture there as well. So, you know, it's kind of a culture rebuild there, and hopefully we can get all on board and see what happens. I agree. All right, fellas, I definitely appreciate your 30 minutes. Uh, Again, best of luck to you, um, you know, on Saturday. And and more importantly, enjoy it, man. It's It's your last ball game as high school players, no matter what, win, win or lose. It is your last game. Uh, you know, there might be, you know, all-star game coming up. If you guys have sent your film in for the uh, SC Blitz all-star game, the senior bowl that, that we're hosting, uh, along with SC Blitz. Um, you know, I know, uh, I think Pierman just made it as a junior quarterback uh, for that upper, for the uh, West team in the junior bowl. Uh, but, you know, other than that, um, unfortunately, there's no Shrine Bowl or North-South. So, uh, you know, leave it all on the field, man. Now, don't, don't take a play and feel like, you know, hey, you know, I got another play left because you never you never know. Uh, best of luck to you, best of health. Uh, go win a state title. And, you know, there's nothing that can say we built the culture better than when you show that trophy to one of those underclassmen and say this is what it took to get this. Then they would understand. So I uh, just want to say that, and I'll definitely let you guys go. And, uh, again, best of luck on Saturday. Yes, sir. Thank you. All right, folks. Well, that is Daniel uh, signing off. And uh, after the break, uh, we'll take another quick break. We're going to bring it back in with the the common bond. It is a high school theme now. We have uh, the lower state of South Carolina 3A coming in here in just a moment. we got about a minute and 30 seconds, guys. We're going to let you listen to the lower bond, the common bond of high school uh, it's something that hits home with me, should hit home with you guys, especially playing for these seniors, playing in their very last game and the most important football game of your life. So coming up in a minute and 31 seconds, we'll have the boys from the lower state, Camden. That is the Camden Bulldogs representing the lower state of South Carolina in that state title game against those Daniel Lions you just heard. Coming up soon, guys. There is nothing more intoxicating than the meld of emotions and sensations that is Friday night. Friday night is the sound of that crowd, the pride of that community, the way that that grass smells. I've never felt in my adult life the way that I felt on Friday nights. 
That's what those kids are playing for. They're playing for that emotion. They're playing for that brotherhood and all of that sensory input that comes from Friday night. That's why they're playing high school football in this country. It is this common thread that weaves through the American fabric. Whether you live in Compton, California, or you live in Appalachia, if you played the game at the high school level, you have this common bond of representing that community. Anyone who disparages where the game is based on myriad reasons. I'm not buying it. I'm around the game every day on these campuses. I see the impact it has on these young men. I see the way that these coaches are able to grow high school boys into NFL or professional men. And it's just beautiful. All right, Bulldogs, let me hear you. Who's on? Uh, give a shout-out, man. Give me your name, your position, your height, your weight, and pass the mic to your brother. Hello? Yes, sir. Y'all are Yo. on. Let's go. Hello? How you doing? Doing good. Hey, this is uh, Joseph Burns, um, number 11. Um, I'm six foot one eighty three. Places Bulldogs. This uh, Lane. Ah, oh, there you go, Will. All right, Willis Lane. Oh, number twenty two five eight one seventy five. Play for the County Bulldogs. This uh, Far Pearson number one six two two ten. Go dogs. This is Jack Henry six one. I play running back number four. I'm five nine one. 60. This is Jackson Hembry. I'm 6'1", 225, number 25. I play defensive end. All right. Did we get, did we get everybody? Yes, sir. I mean, I think so. Is the quarterback still off, or did y'all actually give him the phone no. I'm No, nah, I'm here. I'm here. here. I have Devin for the number. <laughs> yeah, somehow. <laughs> I, I thought you liked that when I threatened to pull the bus over, man. <laughs> I figured somebody was gonna pop off with that phone number because nobody wants yeah, uh, they... to reach in out to pull the bus over uh, on the radio and call somebody out. But uh, you know, you got to give the quarterback love. But I get it. They probably think, you know, man, he's the quarterback. Yes, dude gets all the attention all the time. You know, everybody's wanting to interview him. He's got his pretty face on the television or in the newspaper, <laughs> that kind of stuff. So I understand the defensive guys. I get it. Yeah, you must not have been a Camden man because 22 name everywhere. <laughs> you don't even know who number one is. <laughs> but I tell you what, you know, I don't know if you guys had a chance to listen in to a couple of the Daniel guys, an offensive guy and a defensive guy. They had nothing but praise for you guys. Uh, after watching you guys on film, but certainly, you know, uh, they recognize uh, Willis. You know, you and I have talked a bunch of times uh, being recognized for a finalist for the Mr. Football Award, and I just want to say congratulations for that. But, you know, I tell you, it's a team that, to me, and, and it's not only – and I know I coach in 3A and all that stuff, but to me it's such an intriguing matchup. you got a team in the upstate that has – 
I mean, it's almost like you couldn't be a different two different teams. You know, everybody knows they're there in Clemson. They have some of the Clemson coaching staff players on their team. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, and Clemson coaches are in the stands, and a lot of the kids from from their high school, you know, are over there on the roster. Uh, I know a couple of them. Uh, you know, and they're, they're kind of in that small town kind of thing. You guys are in a small town, but it's just such a different type of atmosphere, different type of geography. Uh, and you guys are, are sitting there and, you know, I look at the rosters. You guys, if you look at the heights and weights, you're a little bit bigger, a little bit different. You know, they looking at you and saying that, you know, I'm surprised. You know, I, one of them made the comment about, you know, a defensive line uh, lineman running down the field catching an offensive skill player uh, for Gilbert. And, and they're just, you know, they're quite impressed by you guys. Um, and, and people can see that. You know, I've been riding you guys. Uh, I won my pool this week mainly because of both of you. I picked Daniel and I picked Camden. Uh, the two other, I'll say we had six pickers this week and uh, five of them went with Gilbert. I went with I – I, I, I rode my boy the Willis uh, train uh, into uh, the, the championship this week. I got the most wins of all the playoff teams. But uh, And no disrespect for you other, other cats. Uh, Willis can tell you I hooked up with him a couple weeks ago. Just got to know the young man. But, you know, my goal tonight is I want to learn the rest of you guys, and I want all the listeners uh, to learn who you guys are as well. Uh, so what I would like to do, um, we've done some height and weight. Uh, I would like to go uh, and, you know, with all you guys on the phone at one time, it is a little bit of a challenge, but we'll have some fun with it. Uh, I would <laughs> like for you guys to – uh, talk to me a little bit, and you can go one at a time. I don't. I, there's no particular order. I know Willis has something to do, and then he's got to jump off here soon. Um, but talk to me about last week. Uh, two weeks ago, uh, Willis can tell you, y'all were coming down here to play against me. Uh, I, I've actually been working with the Oceanside staff for a while. Uh, I can tell you, it was just it was more brokenhearted on this side of the field than it was you guys uh, not having to travel and come play. Uh, that's a heck of a way to, to end your season. Uh, but that said, uh, you kind of got that weird ticket into the lower state final. Um, once you found out it was Gilbert and not Dylan, that a, a lot of people, probably you guys too, thought it was going to be Dylan. Uh, talk to me a little bit about that and, uh, you know, that matchup going into that week with Gilbert. What were some of the things that y'all were looking at and looking forward to? Um, definitely on the defensive side of the ball, we knew what their game plan was going in. They wanted to run the ball, and that's, that's what they do. They ran the ball 80% of the, the time. So we knew that if we stopped the run, we'd get them out of what they wanted to do and put them in a very weird situation. Yeah, exactly. Like, um you know, on the defense, our defensive side of the ball, we talked about all week, you know, stop the run. We knew that, that running back had a lot of – he kept getting a lot of carries, kept getting a lot of yards every game. So, we knew we shut him down, um, that we would win the game, that we would, you know, hold that offense, that powerful offense to to very little yards, and that's what we did. So, um, you know, we accomplished that goal. Okay. So that's some defensive guys talking about their offense. Uh, give me some offensive guys looking at their defense because coming into this, you know, they were much like you guys. They would score a bunch of points and also hold the other team to a few points. So what was the uh, offense? Yes. 
looking at their defense thinking going into Friday night? Um, we saw uh, from watching film. I saw that when they played against Dylan, they made Dylan try to get into a lot of stuff that they're not true to, like moving people around, try to make stuff look different, just try to get them out of their element. So we knew going into the game that we're going to have to keep on doing what we do, just handle like run the ball, being physical, being dominant at the line, just staying in our game to still win the game. Well, I tell you, there's something that you guys impressed me, and I'm going to admit, I was shocked. I've been following your team all year. I'll probably follow you all next year, too, Um, because of what I do. I specialize in coaching special teams. I coach nationally ranked kickers in this state. Uh, I have kids at all, all schools. I was at a camp yesterday that had kids from Wren, Clover, uh, Myrtle Beach, Oceanside, Hanahan, Stratford, um, two from the Midlands, um, and one from, uh, I think, a Flores kicker. Anyway, so I love special teams. That's kind of my thing because I love kickers and I love, you know, being funky and creating momentum and stuff. The thing that blew me away, and I'm still just dumbfounded by this, is your special teams play Friday night. You guys created scores. You created havoc. I mean, to me, I'm sitting here trying to live tweet this thing. I was at home trying to follow seven, diff- you know, five different games uh, covering for Sports Central, and then I would look at the the score, the live score for you guys, and I saw this stuff on special teams. So, you know, was that something that just happened? Was that something that schemed? You know, was it one of those things that you know we've been practicing all year and all of it came together at once? I mean, how did that happen? Um, we know we have a great offense and, and a good defense, and um, coaches always talk to us that the brow killer is going to be how good our special teams played. And I think when we went out there and our special teams performed as well as they did, it was kind of – it was the final nail in that coffin. Yeah, especially, uh, you know, our kicker nailing that uh, – I think it was like a 36-yard field goal. Uh, you know, that really gave us – like the momentum that kind of going into halftime, you know, really was like Jackson said, like a nail in the coffin. And then, you know, in the second half, getting two onside kicks in a row kind of was, you know, what, what, uh, we kind of won the game for us in the end. You know, we couldn't, we, we didn't allow them to get back on their offense back on the field to score and, and our defense kept doing its thing. And, and so special teams, I heard you saying earlier on the, uh, on the phone with Daniel, you know, normally what happens is if you, you win, you know, offense and in special teams, you win defense and special teams, you normally win the game. Well, um, against Gilbert the other night, we won all three. Yeah, that's typically what you look for when you, when you see these dominant games, much like the game where you had, you know, when you beat a team by, you know, 20, 30, even 40 points, you know, you look at the three phases of the game. When you see a team – that wins in such a fashion that you did, you start checking those boxes. And as a coach or an analyst, first thing you look at is, all right, did they win the offense? Yes. Did they win defense? Yes. Did they win special teams? Yes. The next thing you look at is, you know, that time of possession and turnovers. And you guys won that too. And like you said, you know, you came out in the second half and you got, you know, back-to-back onside kicks. That does two things. That gives you possessions and chances to score – and that limits their possessions and chances to score. 
especially to what is funny, and it's almost ironic because Gilbert did that to Dylan the week before. They went for like four onside kicks because their goal, they thought the same thing. Dylan loves to run the ball. They're going to run, 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 eat up the clock. You know, we might get one possession, maybe two per quarter. So what they did was they went for three or four onside kicks, and that did in Dylan. You guys, and I thought it was great, you guys just flipped it and kind of, you know, flipped the spoon around and, and shoved it in their mouth and gave them a taste of their own medicine. Uh, but, you know, and, and that was – you're right. That was a great shot. That was a great kick by the kicker going into the halftime. You always want to kind of go in that locker room feeling like you won that last play, so to speak. It gives you that momentum. Um, so talk to me. So we, we talked about Friday. Now let's talk about this week. Uh, what's it like now? You you were lucky enough. You kind of survived that, you know, that Thanksgiving practice, that Friday night game afterwards where, you know, some kids come out flat, you know, because of the holiday weekend. You guys did not. And, and, you know, I've been on your campus. I've been to the big man challenge. And I I understand about the, you know, the iron dogs and things like that. Um, But tell me, you know, what it was like when that, that clock rang, you know, that fourth quarter was over, that gun went off, that bell sounded, and you looked up, and especially for seniors, and you're like, this isn't my last game. I have one more game. And you guys sat here and heard that common bond. And that was from Marty. Uh, over at ESPN, uh, what did that what did that common bond say to you? Uh, did you feel that in your heart when that clock went off and you knew you had one more game? Right, yes, sir. That was unreal. It's like it's been like a dream for all of us since we were in middle school playing together. That one day we'd be playing in the state championship game, and now that we're having our chance, it's just a dream come true. And you others can speak up too, man. This is the open mic night, guys. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I know this boy. Yeah. So, so last was, year, you know, we we made it to the upper state championship and and took a hard loss to to Chapman and and um all year we've been talking about you know we're gonna be back we're gonna be we're gonna be back and and you know this year we came back to the lower state championship and you know it seemed to flip. We, we, we blew, uh, we blew Gilbert out. And so, you know, it was a goal of ours. And, uh, and I think we accomplished that goal, uh, you know, and, and really shocked a lot of people that, you know, like you said, there was like five people that, that chose Gilbert over us. And so, you know, we shocked a lot of people and we kind of proved ourselves, you know, proved that we really did deserve to be there, especially with, you know, Oceanside getting canceled. And we showed them why and, uh, and how much we really deserve to be there. Anybody else want to chime in? No boy say everything I had to say. <laughs> That's no problem. Well, I'll tell you what. All right. Let's look ahead. We got about, uh, you know, about, uh, I'd say about 10 minutes or so. So we'll look ahead to Saturday. Uh, let's don't focus on, uh, if you're all listening, like I told the Daniel guys, I'm not trying to get, man, I've seen your coaches. Uh, when I was there at the big man uh, competition, there may or may not have been uh, some dudes uh, tossing each other around in the locker room. I guess that's the way you guys get hyped up. Uh, but your coaches are, uh, let's just say, you know, some of them is probably throwing a few fists in their day. They're some tough dudes. I get it. I love them for it, man. Uh, I'm five six, uh, 151 pounds. 
I'm actually a little bit heavier than my playing days where I was a kicker. I don't want them dudes coming to fight me. So we're not going to discuss game strategy. Let's discuss the game uh, and, and some of the things that you may be looking forward to. Either, you know, the defensive guys can say, you know, just like with them, you know, can say the offense, some of the challenges or, or you know, some things you're looking forward to. It may be just, hey, look, man, I'm looking forward to getting down to Columbia and playing in the state title game soon. My dream come true. Same thing with the uh, defensive guys. Look at their offense, something, you know, a challenge, something like that. We're going to be dis- we're gonna be respectful. We're not going to call anybody out or, or talk about anybody's mom or nothing like that. Uh, you know, you, you guys are on the professional level now. This is for all the marbles and uh, all the cameras around the, the state and even beyond are going to be on you guys, even North Carolina. They don't have any football. So you got a lot of attention on you, so we're going to be professionals this week, and uh, let's talk about it. Let's talk about the big matchup on Saturday. Uh, y'all can start it with whoever, and, uh, you know, if you're a defensive guy, talk to us about the offense over there and what you're looking forward to and vice versa, and, you know, let, let, let's get a, a good plan for Saturday. Well, well our offense, we know what worked all year and what we got to do. We just got to continue to execute and work hard and practice at a fast pace, and we'll be straight. It's yeah, no question they have good offense. The They're about um, 60% throwing the ball and 40% running the ball. So the defensive end, I kind of hear that, and I, I'm excited to be able to play in a state game with my ears pinned back and get some sacks. Yeah, so so like Jackson was saying, I'm looking forward to the challenge. I know they got, you know, they got good athletes over there. Um, and, you know, we weren't expecting to go to the state championship and play an easy team. So it's going to be a challenge. And I think, you know, the defense is looking forward to it. The offense is looking for The whole team's looking forward and the whole town's looking forward to it. And uh, I think we're all just really excited to play. Yeah. Um, looking real excited. I'm like really excited to play. They're a well-coached team. Like probably the best defense, one of the best defense we're going to see that we're like, we've seen the whole year. I'm just ready to get out of there and play ball. They're a well-coached team. They play hard, and we respect what they do. We just need to be disciplined, trust what our coaches ask us to do, and that'll put us in the best uh, situation to win. Yeah, um, like them boys are saying as well, we just got to, you know, be disciplined. You know, they there for a reason like we there for a reason. You know, they deserve to be there like we deserve to be there as well. So what you got to do is just focus on ourselves and just play camera football and just go out there and just play hard 110%. <laughs> going to be a hard fought battle to the end. Yeah, well, I tell you what, one of the things I, I'm looking forward to this matchup is, is to see, you know, what their front seven can do with you guys running the ball. Uh, and then to a surprise, and most, you know, most people are going to look at, you know, well, Camden's got a great offensive line, um, you know, and, and great running backs, and they got a great athletic quarterback. Um, what I'm interested in seeing, and, you know, it's so funny that uh, we got the quarterback squeezed in here is uh, should they be able to slow the running game? Now, I was surprised by this stat. You guys threw for hundred and almost 180 yards on Friday night. That was a quiet little stat in there because you ran the ball for 420. I mean, I'm looking at it because I'm a stats guy, and I want to know what my boys are doing because, like I said, I'm the only cat that picks you guys. Everybody else picked Gilbert. And some of them is because, you know, the coach over at Gilbert, you know, either played college ball with them or that that was their homeboy or whatnot. But, you know, I want to win, so I'm not picking with my heart. I'm taking with what I know. Um, 
So what I'm interested in, too, is seeing what your big physical receivers who block their butts off for these running backs, can they also make these big-time catches in this type of game, you know, should you guys have to start chucking it outside? So that's kind of one of the things I'm looking forward to. You know, they got a safety over there who's a great kid. Uh, he's in the junior all-star game. His dad is a big-time coach. His dad is a safeties coach over at Clemson. So, you know, he's coached up really well. Um, you know, so that's what that's one of the matchups. I'm, a couple of matchups I'm looking forward to is a couple of their defensive situations against your offense. And then can your DBs cover their wide receivers when they start pass? And if uh, you guys get a good enough pass rush, um, and I'll, I'm not calling anybody out. These are the things that I'm looking forward to as they match up in this game. Now, you guys know dang well. You know, since you've been playing this game going back to Pee Wee, you know, you can size up an opponent on the film. That don't mean jack until you get that first hut hut and somebody snaps a ball. That's when you really yep. know whether you can kind of beat that man in front of you. You know what I'm saying? So uh, mm-hmm. I'm excited, man. I'm, I'm in 3A ball. I love it. I think it's one of the most competitive top-to-bottom divisions out there. Um, so tell me about this week. Uh, you know, we get we, it's, uh, it's a weird week because we just came up with Thanksgiving. Uh, did you guys practice on Sunday? Nah, we had our team meeting that we always have. So what do y'all do? Y'all go? Do y'all do film and like a little light stretching on Sunday? Uh, well, we film. watch film. So yeah, we watch film, film the, and kind of talk about we go, what the plan is for the week. Okay, so you kind of get out your, your map of your schedule. You know, most college teams do that. Uh, when you're a D1 athlete, you actually come in, you're supposed to check in at 6 p.m., uh, usually with your position coach, and you get handed your three-ring binder that's got, you know, the plays for scout, for, for regular team, your schedule for the week, your travel schedule, all that stuff, even your tests and what's due in your classes for the week. So that's pretty cool. But obviously, you know, quite a few of your coaches, played at high level you know football as well so that sounds very similar so um so that's sunday uh take us through now uh today's monday so you had your first day back at school for those of you who are actually in the building some of you are virtual i get that uh so what's your first day of practice like today it was just a lot of energy going into it Yeah, uh, high energy, just working on getting getting our assignments right for this week, making sure everything's nice and clean so that we'll have a good day this Saturday. Who Who's the uh, – did you guys call up a bunch of JV guys to run a scout team or what? Uh, yes, sir. There's a couple of younger guys. There, I mean, I, would, I really would consider them JV guys because all of them have the potential to play at the varsity level. Like we could throw them in in the game right now, and they could play perfectly fine. But um, yes, there's like majority of younger guys came up, and uh, some of the players that don't get in as much are on the scout team. So is that uh that younger Lane? Is he uh playing on the scout team? And and if so, what position is he playing? Yes, sir. Um, he's at we have him at running back and a little bit of a receiver for a scout team, but also for this week we've been running a little bit of our ones to get a better look. Ah, good, 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 yeah. I I guess the coaches refer to it as good on good this week just to kind of make sure you guys are pretty sharp. So, um, 
you know, uh, so what's the, do you guys have a, a schedule yet for Saturday? Now you're a little bit, obviously you're, you're a lot of it closer to Columbia than those cats. So uh, what's the schedule look like for Saturday morning and, and, you know, to get you guys ready for that three thirty kickoff. Uh, Coach says he wants us at school around eight o'clock in the morning. We'll have a yoga. We always do yoga on Fridays before the game. And then I think we're going to have a pre-game meal around 11 or 12, end up getting on the bus around 1, 1.30 to go ahead and go to the stadium. That sounds good. Uh, what you guys plan? You got anything planned on Friday, Friday night? You know, is Coach kind of treating this like a college bowl game where everybody kind of has that check-in time, uh, you know, that curfew and – you guys have a team team meal Friday night, uh, breakfast Saturday morning. Uh, Friday, on Friday, we're doing another Thursday practice, like just tank tops and our shorts. So like a walkthrough? Yeah, basically another walkthrough. Then what? Is it, so coach is going to let you guys uh, be, do your Friday night thing on Friday night with a big game on Saturday, or you guys got to check in with a certain time? Oh, I mean, um, have a coach time, coach us, we already know to get in. We already know to get in the bed. Got so, uh, you. We got to handle business next morning. So we, you, you won't see any of us getting out, being out in town. We'll go ahead and call it in for tonight. Got a big day ahead of us Saturday. Yeah, we've all been uh, we've all been working so hard to get to this point. We've all been working so hard to get to this point that we know, you know, getting dead. You know, we've been working so hard to get here, and. um and so, you know, we're going to handle our business, go to sleep on a good time, be ready for the game on Saturday. And that's what I love. I love to hear that senior accountability. That's one thing, you know, I've, you know, I admit it because, you know, I, you know, I said before, you know, with the chance of Oceanside playing you guys, I looked at the roster. Um, you know, you guys are pretty senior, senior laden, especially in a lot of the key positions. Um, you know, and, and it sounds like what I'm hearing too is you guys are mature about, you know beyond your age I, i've known college guys at division one levels you know uh, up for a big bowl game and, and you you guys aren't you know you guys have phones and tvs you watch espn you watch college game day you've heard the stories about these cats out here partying at a bowl game the night before and coming in and quarterback mm-hmm. throwing four interceptions and everybody's like what's the matter well you know he made some bad decisions the night before i love hearing that you know you guys are 17, 18 years old, maybe a couple 16-year-olds. You know what you sound like? You sound like grown men, and it's very impressive of you guys to say, you know, we got business to handle. You know, we're going to take it in Friday night and get ready for Saturday. Um, now, I tell you, going to a state championship, I had one experience with that, 1995. Uh, Walterboro, now it's called in county. For you guys that may have known about them, they're in 4A now. They used to be in, in 4A, which was 5A back then. Well, 5A now, but 4A back then. Uh, senior year, went to the state title game, lost the union, ranked number one in the state. Everybody was loving on us. Everybody, you know, we were the best all season from the giddy up. And lost 31-17 to in the state championship game. Union had two big receivers, and they just kept chucking the ball out there. There were there were a couple guys on our team. One went on to play in the NFL with the Eagles. Uh, one went on to be a running back at Clemson. Uh, 
Keith Yusef Kelly. His son, Elijah Kelly, is that 6'4 receiver now at Greenville High School. And then a, another guy, Matt Antoine Neesmith, was a running back who went to the University of South Carolina. Now, we were super talented. Uh, but, you know, and like I said, everybody told us all year long, man, you great. Oh, you great. Y'all going to get those trophies. Y'all going to get the first ever state title. And, honestly, the, the game was over in the first quarter. They were just that good. Uh, so, where I'm going with that is, especially for the youth seniors, is I know I tell you you're great because I've been riding this horse for the past couple of weeks. Other guys, as you saw, they bet against you. Y'all need to use that as motivation. Um, and, and you know, don't leave a don't leave a play out, especially for you seniors. There might be a couple of seniors on your team that this is their last time of ever putting on pads in an organized football game. So I've always said from from day one of this stuff, you know, play not only play for yourself, but play for the dude next to you on your left and right. Don't leave any plays on on the field, guys. This is it for the seniors. Even even if you're a senior, it's your last high school football game, you might get to play in an all-star game or something like that, and that's great. But this is the last time you're going to put that Camden helmet on, that seat. You know what I'm saying? That Camden across your chest. So Saturday, y'all are playing for the name on the front of the jersey, not the back of the jersey. I'll be I'll be watching you guys. My grandma died. I got a funeral to deal with. Um, but I was telling the guys from, from Daniel, this is the one game I have got to see. I won't be in that dude in the commercial, you know, with uh, the, I think it's the Verizon commercials for the streaming ESPN sitting in the corner. That's going to be me. Uh, my grandmother loved football. She was a big Cowboys fan. Um, so I'm going to be watching you guys on my phone, uh, either from somebody's house or, or after the funeral's over on Saturday. I just want to wish you the best of luck and best of health. Thank you for your 30 minutes of your time. I love meeting all you guys. You know, I mean, uh, the other buck can tell you, man, I always keep up with him. I'm going to do everything I can to help him in recruiting. The whole Southern Sports Central staff is, is trying to do what we can with that. I reached out to his coach today and said, you know, let us know which coaches, college coaches we can reach out to. Uh, and we'll do that for all you guys. Once you're part of the family, man, you win. And, and we'll do everything we can to take care of you. Uh, I'm going to leave you all with that and just say, hey, best of luck Saturday. Love you guys. I'm very proud of all of you, man. Thanks, man. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Go Sorry to hear about your grandma. Thanks. I appreciate it, fellas, man. All right. Well, y'all safe travels. Do what you got to do. Love on your brother, man. Don't don't hurt anybody this week in practice. I know how hard y'all go. Uh, save your brother for Saturday. You know, do your assignments, not only on the football field, but in the classroom. Get them books, man. Without them books, you're not getting those college looks. Uh, and y'all take care, and we'll definitely holler at you. If you're in the winner's circle, y'all going to be back on Monday night. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Okay, thank you. Sir, look forward to it. All right, guys. All right, folks. Yeah, thank We're you for signing off with the Camden Bulldogs. Uh Three A represent the lower state for South Carolina. They are undefeated. They're the men on a mission. They are headed to over to Columbia to take on the Daniel Lions here on Saturday at three thirty. I think my personal belief the three A game is going to be the best game in the state when it comes down to a dog fight. Uh, both teams are definitely looking forward to playing each other. Both teams are respect each other's game. They respect the other guys in the other. Uh, on the other li- uh, side of the line of scrimmage and the other side of the field. 
And that's what you want to see. You know, a lot of teams, you know, they look at the 5A and there's so many writers and pundits out there saying, well, it's Dutch Fork again. You know, in 3A, you can't say that. You can't say that it's an again team. The, the team that won it last year, they're not here. The team that won it the year before that, they're not here. So what we got is two teams who, like you heard them say here live tonight, that they battled it out. They fought, they fought, they fought. They've lost these close games. Everybody counted them out the year before and the year before. And you know what? They fought for it. Here they are. They're back in this game. They finally have their chance to win their state title. And guess what? The guys across the line, the, the field, across the line of scrimmage, they feel the same way. This is going to be, I think, the best battle, the best game in the state of South Carolina. You have so many great athletes who are going to be playing at the next level in this game. I just can't wait. Um I'm going to deal with this family stuff at the end of the week. Uh, I may be still dealing with it Saturday. I'm taking time off. I'm going to support my dudes on both sides of this game. Love these kids. With that, I'm going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. We got uh, the low country. Speaking of 3A football, we got Garrison Kepley joining us. He's a quarterback over a place for Joe Cole. Not only was he Region 3A, uh, quarterback, uh, he, but he was just recently named the Moultrie News uh, Player of the Year. So we're going to check in with uh, Garrison Kepley uh, after a quick break. Uh, you know what? We're going to give Garrison Kep- Kepley the common bond as well. He's going to uh, hear the same message, message these other cats heard uh, who are playing in the state title game because you know what? He's only a junior. Next year, he's going to be sitting in that same seat, we hope in that same Monday night free state championship. Coming up in about one minute and 21 seconds, Garrison Kepley, quarterback, Oceanside Landsharks. There is nothing more intoxicating than the meld of emotions and sensations that is Friday night. Friday night is the sound of that crowd, the pride of that community the way that that grass smells. I've never felt in my adult life the way that I felt on Friday nights. That's what those kids are playing for. They're playing for that emotion. They're playing for that brotherhood and all of that sensory input that comes from Friday night. That's why they're playing high school football in this country. It is this common thread that weaves through the American fabric. Whether you live in Compton, California, or you live in Appalachia, if you played the game at the high school level, you have this common bond of representing that community. Anyone who disparages where the game is based on myriad reasons, I'm not buying it. I'm around the game every day on these campuses. I see the impact it has on these young men. I see the way that these coaches are able to grow high school boys into NFL or professional men, and it's just beautiful. And we're back live with uh, Garrison Kepley, who's joining us from Oceanside. Fresh off a brand-new trophy. He's got some awards this year. First-year starting quarterback, all-region, 3A. 
down here in the Low Country. And just this week, he was awarded the Moultrie News Player of the Year. What's up, Garrison? How you doing tonight, dude? I'm doing great. How y'all doing? Oh, we're doing great. Uh, Coach LaPred over at Fort Dorchester actually called Richie in on assignment tonight. He's over at the gym covering uh, the first basketball game as the uh, play-by-play announcer. So uh, you got just me. So if you're hoping for uh, good old Co- uh, Uncle Richie, uh, you're out tonight. He's over uh, calling the uh, up and down the court. You're familiar with the game of basketball. So he's over at Fort D. So you're going to be hanging out with me for a few minutes and maybe even closing out the show. Uh, I tell you, uh, you it looks – it looked like you called in, and you got to hear a little bit about uh, some of the things the uh, Camden Bulldogs had to say, a team that you were looking forward to to playing and didn't have that opportunity. Uh, wh- what did you think uh, hearing some of those guys and what they had to say a little while ago? Well, you know, I'm, I'm excited for them. I know that's one of the things growing up as a kid playing football, It's that's a, that's a big accomplishment to make is getting to the state championship. And – I mean, listen to it. It hurt a little bit knowing they're still playing and we're not. We 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 could have done it for sure. And just having that opportunity snatched away in a blink of an eye, I mean, it hurts. But, you know, that's just one more reason for us to come out next year and handle business. Well, it's actually a great segue, something I want to talk to you about. Let's talk about next year. You know, 2020 is now in the past. Now, you, you know, we, I, intro, I introed you with those awards. You did great. First year starting. I mean, if you look back at the first three years of your high school career, you've won a bunch of games. You've been part of a bunch of wins. This year, you were the guy. You were the starter. It was your quarterback job. You know, you you were the guy that came out in the first quarter, first play, first offensive series. You know, took the ball. Sometimes last year, you know, it was like, you know, third or fourth quarter. And, And so this year, you took over the helm. Now, 2020 is in the past. That's gone. We can't go back. We can't replay, you know, any type of games or any game situation. Now, everybody's looking at you because, you know, you've been there before now. You've you've had a year of it. You're the face of the organization as a starting quarterback. Everybody looks at your picture. Thank God you have a, you know, pretty halfway decent mug, and you take more after (laughs) your mother than your father. So nobody's (laughs) squinting when they look at your face. Thank God for Amber. Um but, you know, what is the job now going forward for you? What When you wake up in the morning and you realize, you know what, I'm the starting quarterback for Oceanside football, for Coach Joe Call, who is a legend in his own. You know, when you wake up in the morning, when you go to class, and I understand you're not going, to, you know, inside the building this week, but, you know, when you look at your teammates and you're looking forward to 2021, you know, what, what do you call your on yourself to do as the starting quarterback and the leader for Oceanside football? Well, you know, the first thing that's on that I really want to get started on is start building chemistry with all my wide receivers and just having, like, that communication with each other and understanding and just building a real good relationship with my receivers and executing that. And then I want to get a lot of the – like uh, I want to get a lot of weight gained on and get a little solider and keep working out. There's a whole lot of work that's still got to be done for this upcoming spring, but you know, that's pretty much about it. 
keep bonding so with you're, my team. You're, and, go ahead. In the foot, in the football world, the football. Uh, you're a team. Academically, you're still you know midway through your junior year. In the football world, yes, you know that, that junior season. You remember from last year. You know when when the Sean was a starting quarterback and he was a senior. When that last game was over, it's almost like you know. They don't wait. You know, football doesn't wait for the next year. Football doesn't wait for anybody, Yeah, as you will know. It doesn't wait for next year. So now that baton has already passed, your junior playing days are over. Now you're a senior in the world of football. So as a senior quarterback, as a senior member, a guy that's been through Oceanside, you know, would, would, you know who will have four years of football, you know, and you're looking forward, you know, to next year. And the team has, you know, obviously, like you said, you want to be where those guys are, you know, at Camden, you know, preparing for that state title. You know, um, you know, what's some of the things as a senior you're looking at the other guys on the team and saying, look, man, I'm a senior and, you know, this is how we're going to roll. This is going to be our culture. This is going to be our team. But I have and we have one opportunity. You know, we can sing that song from Eminem all day long. You got one shot, one opportunity. Well, 2021 mm-hmm. is yours. That's yours. How do you impress yes, upon sir. that, especially to the younger guys, that this is the one shot, the one opportunity? Well, you got to. I'm gonna work on coming in there and getting everyone bought in, trying to get everyone into the culture and demand perfection. That's what I really want. Make everybody be clicking on all cylinders and be that championship-caliber team by the end of the spring, have everything clicking, everything rolling. So as soon as we go in the summer, all it is is just perfecting our craft. And you and I talked about uh, recently about, you know, you organizing some player practices. Now, I get it. Uh, coaches this time of year can't be, you know, involved with on the field, so to speak, with players in a ball, and I get all that. But you have balls. And you have a team that that looks up to you and admires you. You got offensive linemen that you know. I I, I know them guys and, and defensive players that will lay down, you know, and fight many battles for you. They believe in you like everybody else does. So you know, is that something you're looking at organizing some of these, you know, the player practices where maybe you guys draw up some plays and, and bring out the playbook and you know you kind of that senior leader kind of out there, you know, especially for the younger guys and saying look. If we're going to get to that state title game, you know, y'all y'all look right now. You can listen in, and you can look, and you can see Camden and Daniel. You heard those cats. You know, Daniel talked about it. Mm-hmm. They said, you know, our sophomore year, we got knocked out by Greer in a close game in the upper state or the, the Elite Eight. Then last year, they lost to a Chapman team that won the state title in a very, very close game. You know, and they were like, you know, this is it. This is our last chance. And so that, what I'm saying is, you know, when you're organizing these practices, how do you, you know, you got to impress upon these young bucks and say, look, man, this is our last chance because there are, there's a lot of talent that's rising seniors. The, the juniors may not ever have that chance again. You're a pretty good guy in communicating. So what I'm asking is, you know, when you, when you look these guys in the eyes, you know, you're starting quarterback, you're the face of the team, you know, you give me your pitch on telling those guys, you know, hey, come buy in, buy in our culture. Well, it's one of those things you got to – It's we already got some mandatory practices we're kind of scheduling. Like we're, we got 
hey, we're going this day. We need everybody here. If you ain't there, we're going to be on you about it. Like, we're making this. We're The road to the championship starts right now. So, I'm basically going around trying to tell all the younger guys, too, look, you're going to be in the same shoes one day, and you're going to be like, dang, I wish I would have helped them, and I could have done my part. And just literally getting everyone balled in and everybody having a want and not just a, am I here? Like, have, make sure they're all wanting to be there and all having drive. I love it, man. So that's that's creating a culture of, you know, just, just creating that hunger day in, day out. Some days you may not feel like hungry, but you know what? You still need to come eat, and, and I love that. I love what you're doing, you know, trying to create that, you know, well, you know, the coaches can't be here every day, you know, because of rules, but you know what? We can, and I love that. I love that you're – you know, wanting to hold dudes accountable uh, for themselves mm-hmm. and yourself. Um, so talk to us a little bit about the off-season off routine. You know, a lot of quarterbacks, you know, they hopefully will have some camps. Uh, you know, I, I've been hearing some positive things around May, June. Um, give us a little bit, you know, for those listening, you know, how do you, how do you build upon that? Because, you know, this year it's a pretty good year for you. First year starting, like I said, first team. All region uh, for 3A, you know, the Moultrie News, the Low Country Player of the Year, that's, that's pretty big wars for a first-time starter. Um, so what do you do to build upon that and uh, have even greater success next year? Well, first off, just not taking a day off. Each day, get up, finding a way to get better. I know I'm going to be working a lot with Coach Ramon Robinson this off season and we already got a camp signed up or lined up for this weekend to go up to. I'm very appreciative of my dad always trying to find stuff for me to get into and finding ways to help me get better. If it's driving up to Greenville, just to let me get an hour and a half session in with Coach Ramon and just a lot of different things between working and just a whole lot of grinding here and there and trying to become the best possible version of myself I can be. I get it, man. And uh, so over on on the defensive side of the ball, and I know some of your friends and some of your guys are on the defensive side. Uh, you know, you ever call those guys up and say, hey, man, uh, we're out here throwing the ball. I need you guys to come give us a good look. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Every time we're out there, I mean, they're there too. Because, I mean, I'm always around them. So it's one of those things, hey, let's come out there and let's run some routes. We work on some stuff. I mean, I'll get out there and I'll do some – linebacker drops with them and mess around and but still get some work in and they'll come over there run some routes and just work on little literally anything and everything that we can do to get better and i mean really about it but so i tell you you guys have uh huge goals and you know unfortunately you know your goal is going to be the same goal as everybody else in the state and that's a state title game uh, you know, you only get this is again. You know, we kind of iterate it, it, reiterate it because you know, Rich and I talk about it with every everybody in the playoffs. You know, you you only get this one opportunity. You know, next year you may not make the playoffs, and you know, with COVID or you never know what might be the craziest next thing to take football away. Uh, what is the one thing that this year um, that you could look back on and say, you know what, I'm thankful for. You know, even though we had COVID, this, that, and the other, I'm thankful that we got to play or I'm thankful for this, or I'm thankful for that. You know, what is it when you look back on 2020 and say, you know what, it may not have been perfect, but I'm thankful for this. 
I would I would say just having a season in general. I know a lot of places from my hometown in North Carolina, they're not playing right now. They're having to play in the spring, and I know it's very, very frustrating to them, and they're always texting me like, hey, how'd it go? How's it, like, what's going on? Like, what's your stats been? Just keeping up with me, and I know that they're hungry to play, and I, I see the – I see the feelings that they're having, and I'm just very thankful that we got to still play. So, no doubt. And you know, I, I was, you know, you have uh, one, two. I, you mentioned earlier with your receivers and building some chemistry. I know three guys uh, are graduating. The the two twins uh, are the twins, and then also uh, another uh, senior captain is graduating the receiver level. So, you know, a lot of for, in a lot of instances, you have a. Uh, uh, new guys to kind of break in, like you said, build that chemistry. Now, there are guys that played those reps. Uh, even, you know, you started connecting passes to the running back uh, going next year. Uh, you know, so when you when you try to build a chemistry with dudes, you know, it's, it's more than just being able to say, hey, go run your 12-yard out or go do this. You know, talk to us a little bit about it, and we get about four minutes. A uh, little bit about when a quarterback, uh, school us, when a quarterback says, I'm building chemistry with my receivers. What does that mean? I mean, it's all the way down from the hand signals you're giving them to running routes to the knowing their speed. And if they're running a slant, how fast they're going to be coming out of it, where you need to throw the ball, where it's easier for them to catch the ball. I mean, if it's harder for them to catch it in stride or catch it like stopping. I mean, it's a, it's literally a little bit of everything, just – knowing the ins and outs of your receivers and knowing what they can do and what they can't do. I got you. So it's definitely not something you can uh, do in a weekend. And, and you know, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing, <laughs> looking forward to seeing what you can do. You got to, you know, like I said, you know, like you said earlier, 2021 starts now, you know, it's, it's already started from the last game. Uh, so it's definitely encouraging to hear that. And, uh, you know, definitely Rich and I'll be, following you through the uh, off season, especially at some of the camps. You know, uh, I know Coach uh, Ramon is at a bunch of things that we cover. Um, I think uh, he and Coach Greer were supposed to be at the one Saturday. Uh, as you know, I won't be there um, due to a funeral in my uh, for my family. But, um, you know, I was supposed to be coaching specialists up there. But, you know, and, and that's the thing is, you know, just getting out there, making yourself better. You know, like you said, you want to add a few pounds. You know, you want to get stronger. You want to uh, develop that rapport with the receiving crew and things like that. Um, and, and even down to, like you said, we're just, you know, going out, organizing some practices, kind of being that senior quarterback, uh, you know, going into 2021. But, you know, i tell you what, man, um, it's 8.53, so we're running short on time. I appreciate you jumping on to kind of fill out the show for us. Uh, congratulations on being, you know, all of your awards. I mean, it's, it's a heck of a job. You know, usually the first-year starters have more bumps and bruises and, and, and zeros than ones. But, uh, you know, I, and I know you started out where you feel like, you know, your first couple of games weren't your best. But, you know, what you showed everybody, I believe, in, in the conference especially and in the low country was, you know, I'm getting better every day. Just keep giving me the ball. And I think that's what led to those awards. Uh, everybody's real proud of you. We're real proud of you. I know Richie reached out. Uh, before he went into Fort D this afternoon and said, you know, my guy, I love you, and this, that, and the other. Um, but we're definitely appreciative of your time. I know you're a busy guy, uh, especially with all the craziness going around your school schedule this week. So uh, definitely thank you for joining us tonight, man. 
Well, thank you so much, and I'm I'm sorry for your loss. Yeah, man, and uh, we'll definitely uh, catch up uh, off offline soon and uh, get together. I want to see you guys out uh, throwing the ball and doing your thing over at the uh, at the park. I'm definitely looking forward to 2021 when you know I can uh, officially be back on the sideline with you guys. You know, play in, play out, kind of get that love. I, I certainly missed it this season. Definitely looking forward to it next year. Yes, sir. Are y'all gonna be coming to the to any of the seven on seven tournaments? Yes, we are. Uh actually um uh Richie's been discussing some of that stuff with Mal as well as Chachi. Uh, you know, there's two different groups, uh the upstate and then Mal has the group around here. So we're definitely gonna be at a bunch okay. of the seven on seven stuff as well. All right, all right. Well I can't wait to see y'all out there watching us play. So have you picked a – are you on the 707 team yet? Uh, it's one of them things. I'm still deciding between our team or doing the outlaws, but I think I got one okay. chosen that I'm going to play with. So, I got you. Yeah, I did notice that uh, Coach O and, and Coach uh, Crosby and, and uh, Coach Brown, Devin Brown from James Island, those guys have started a team as well. Yes, so, we're definitely, like I said, we're definitely tracking all those guys. Um you know, with part of the SC Blitz and the All-Star Games, uh, both Coach Chachi in the Upstate and, of course, Mountain Low Country are, you know, partners in those. So that's why we, you know, kind of follow those teams or those tournaments. However, sometimes with travel schedules, we just got to either split up or we got to take one that uh, suits us better for, for travel, trying to cover everything with all, you know, <laughs> when we have all you dudes playing, you know, all across the state and oh, outside yeah. the state, it's hard to cover everybody. So you know we're just, we're gonna do our oh, best yeah. with that. But uh, I tell you what, man, it's uh, I got about three minutes to sign off, man. Uh, go get your homework done if you haven't finished it up, and uh, tell your mom and dad we said hello. Yes, sir. Appreciate everything y'all are doing for us in the community. All right, man. Take care. All right. <clears throat> All right. You too. All right, folks, that was uh, the quarterback for the Bull Shark over at Oceanside. And Garrison Kepley was just checking in earlier again. You know, he just came off some big-time awards. First year starting, uh, the Oceanside moved up from 2A to 3A. Uh, had a little bit uh, bigger-time football, as some would say. You know, the higher you go. <clears throat> um you know, but to, to for his first year as a starter, now he won a ton of games. He went undefeated as a JV quarterback. Last year as a sophomore quarterback, uh, he backed up Sean Cooney. Sean was a senior. He was a very senior-laden uh, team last year. Uh, 22 seniors graduated off that team that went to the lower state championship. Um, but, you know, Kepley came back, new head coach, most uh, pretty much mostly new staff, of course, uh Coach Raven stayed on as the offensive coordinator, but Coach Call came in, uh, as well as many other uh, coaches, some very, very great coaches. And uh, what did Kepley do? You know, he won the 3A uh, first-team all-quarterback. He also won the Moultrie News Player of the Year uh, for his performance in, in several weeks, and it's kind of the cumulative thing. It's voted on by peers and those in the community. So congratulations to Garrison Kepley for uh, winning that award. Sounds like he's got a plan together for uh, the all season and leading the Land Sharks and practices and and uh, his seven on seven teams. But um, man, it's been a great show. Uh, started out with uh, recapping some of the guest pickers from last week. We then went on to um, 
Kevin Villadou, he joined us from Channel 5. We had about 15, 20 minutes with him, talked about the sports, and then uh, went up to Charlotte, caught up with Rachel Walker Jr. We left there, went over to Daniel High School, caught up with some of those ballers from the Lions playing the 3-8 title game, and then came down to Camden, headed back home. We stopped off in Camden with a whole bunch of ballers in that state title game playing Daniel, and then ended up in the low country uh, with Garrison Kepley. Quarterback Landsharks, Low Country Moultrie Player of the Year. Now look forward to tomorrow night, six to nine. We got Everett Sands with his show at the normal time. Uh, so tune in. Of course, you know we'll have that thing pound, uh, pounded out. It's the West Foundation uh, Sports Show, hosted by the Everett Sands. He's been a head coach at many different levels. It's a great show. He always has an action-packed crew of some big-time guests. So tune in tomorrow night from six to nine from Richie, from me. From all of us at Sports Southern Sports Central, we just want to thank you all for tuning in. Thank you to all the athletes, all the coaches, all the mamas, and all the daddies, and all the grandmamas who let all these kids put down a few books tonight and join us. It was a great, great show. We're definitely looking forward to Championship Saturday. For all of us here, to all of us, you, all of you in Radio Land, have a great, great Monday night. Thank you again. Mm, if you're not serving macaroni and cheese, do not invite me. Oh, cheese, do not invite me. Cow's blessing to us all. Do not invite me. If you're not serving macaroni, macaroni and cheese, do not invite me. Don't disrespect my day of things. If the word craft is in your macaroni recipe, do not invite me. Oh, I thought we were friends. I thought you liked me. Well, boss, up you me. must want to fight me. If the word craft is in your macaroni Macaroni recipe, no. Do not invite me. Oh, you just got demoted to bring in store-bought cakes. If your dressing is made from stovetop, go ahead and leave. Don't cook again. Oh, the devil has your you mind. You know that's a sin. Heaven ain't letting you in. If your dress it is made from stovetop, go ahead and leave. Don't cook again. Oh, Jesus.